Finally, there is a podcast on the internet about professional wrestling. I am your co-host this evening, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. Would like to thank everyone for downloading and checking out our show today. And joining me on the show, my broadcast colleagues left to right across your podcast dial. Up first, my brother, Jason Giaconetti. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. My God. There's some idiot at home that says he knows how to fall. My God. And also joining us, as always, my good friend, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was fading to black there. Sorry. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Did, you know, the fade to black. It's like it's all so metal. It's like that, that meme that's going around is like slow, heavy metal music playing. It's like everything Alistair Black does. It is but slow, heavy metal music playing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, and Jay, with yours, I don't know if you saw this... Um, uh, I forget who had this up on the Facebook, and it was somebody on. Uh, it was a, like a personal contact uh, of a of a young lady named Helena Cell. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just a message. I I still remember when Undertaker threw Mankind off of you. Genius. <laughs> Helena Cell. Yeah. 
that's, Hell in what, a, that, that's that's like a great Hell in a Cell is like a great like uh, go fight pow name. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So you know, uh, go go fight pow the uh, the official card game of Get Back to Wrestling. Yes. But uh, yes, it's very much. It sounds like one of those, like you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I just want to see the follow up to that. Was she a smart? Did she respond with, "I bet you remember"? You know, like, come on, where's the rest of that conversation? Yeah. The rest of the conversation is this: Who is this? Oh my god! Don't know. Oh my god, you're blocked. Okay, God, I'm totally blocking you. You're spamming me. <laughs> Who's the Undertaker? <laughs> yeah, but the who the fuck is the Undertaker? I don't know who you're talking to. But if this is Lindsay, you can shut the fuck up, you can't. So, you know. Okay, well, well that uh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> it is. And, uh, as things tend to do nowadays. That's okay. As things to do, tend to do in the social media world. Yes, and, yes. you know, we, we, we like to have a lot of fun here and get back to the wrestling. Uh, but as we are always reminded, the world of professional wrestling, uh, even though the – People that inhabit it appear to be larger than life. They are, in fact, real men and women. And we had uh, a very rough day earlier this week as yeah. we are recording as we had three um, well-known wrestlers all pass away on the same day. And that was – it was harsh. It was one of those things Triple where you see match. the – yeah, well, it's one of those things where you see the first one, and you're like, oh, geez. And then you see the second one, and then it's like, oh, okay, you're almost in disbelief. Yeah. And then the third one comes through. And uh, the first one to come through was actually the death of uh, uh, of Joseph Perozovic, better known, of course, as Nikolai Volkov, uh, a perennial WWF and WWF uh, performer through the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. One of my all-time favorites as a kid, uh, as as we as we've discussed here, I usually cheered for heels, especially in the WWF. And uh, Nikolai Volkov was always one of my favorites. Him singing the Soviet national anthem is yeah. just classic eel trolling. Before trolling was a thing, Volkov was was trolling people. And and just to you know to to uh, kind of elaborate on that, you know, I, as I said, I never and Jay Jay will will back me up on this. It was rare for me. I can probably count on one hand the number of baby faces that I legitimately liked in WWF growing up. You know, uh, Big Boss Man, probably the biggest one. But he when Volkov first, so. no, yes, yeah, but when yeah, 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 as a as a babyface, I, I liked right. him also. But same thing when when Nikolai Volkov turned babyface and right. started in and after the the fall of the Soviet Union, he was team he was feuding a little bit with Boris Zukov and with um, with Sergeant Slaughter, and he was teaming with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he had the you know he came out and would sing the Star Spangled Banner, and he'd wave the American flag. I genuinely and unironically loved that. I loved an old hand like Nikolai Volkov getting a chance to be uh, a straight white kneed baby face, yeah. you know, and, and, and he, and he was a really white dude too. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Born in Croatia, then lived in Canada. He wasn't getting a lot of sun, but no, uh, no. yeah, but it was very sad to see the passing of hall of famer, Nikolai Volkov. There's a wonderful uh, tribute video that WWE aired this week about Volkov who was, uh, he was 70 and he uh, passed away from complications from pneumonia. Yeah. And dehydration. So sad news uh, for the passing of, of Nikolai Volkov. And um, so if any, you guys, any, any, anything specific about Volkov, any memories or anything? One yeah, of my main memories, yeah. Jay will remember this, is that I had, do you remember the thumb wrestlers? Oh, yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. so excited because it was Junkyard Dog and Nikolai Volkov, who were two <laughs> of my favorites, were paired together. Yes. I had, I had Hogan and Piper. Because, yes. you know, there's, I mean, the thing is, they they made a Hogan and, and Sheik eventually, too. 
but Hogan and Piper, I mean, you can't you get bigger than you know those no. stars. Then they're like, who's going to go with JYD? Nikolai Volkov goes with JYD. Why not? Makes yeah. perfect sense. He, well, had, the, and, yeah. he yeah. had the hat on too, right? He had his hat on. That's right. Yes. yes. It didn't come it's, off like the like the it, big LGN toys. The big the big one had the hat that came off. Yeah, actually, uh, talking about the Sheik. Sheik had a great tribute to Volkov on Twitter. Uh, I recommend the Iron Sheik's Twitter to anybody who's on Twitter, frankly. And uh, and yeah. Natty Neidhart <laughs> posted a picture. She's like, oh, yeah, this is back when Nikolai Volkov used to babysit for us. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so. so uh, you know. That whole Canadian stable, man. <laughs> I, that, that heart, I tell you what, the, the heart house, I guarantee you, was never boring, you know. No. Oh, no. How could it be? Yeah. Uh, then the, the I'm second... tired of all this domestic shit. I'm going down to the dungeon. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and then the the second um, passing on the same day uh, was uh, Brian Christopher Lawler, who we of course know as Brian Christopher and Grandmaster Sexay as one half of Too Cool. Um, the, Christopher had uh, obviously been having some personal issues. He had been arrested for uh, DUI. This was, I think, his third arrest in uh, a few years and uh, took his own life. So uh, not not a lot of details. There's an investigation going on right now uh, as to the, the, you know, the specifics of it. But, you know, really sad to see a young man who was only uh, uh, he was only 46 um, in a situation that he was uh, feeling and that he had no other other options here you know the thing about um about brian christopher <laughs> is that yeah they they everyone knew and and this was one of those early meta things in the attitude era as we all knew he was jerry lowell or some but they would never yeah. come out and say it until later uh but him and scotty too hottie as um as too cool grandmaster sexy Whenever he came out, the crowd was excited because they had a, a lot of energy and they were a lot of fun. I mean, they were never really got beyond the mid card. But for two guys that were going to come out there and just be ridiculous and dance and all that, they they really did get good responses from the crowd. And he, I mean, Brian Christopher could, could work pretty well. He just never had the opportunity to really uh, push forward into the, the top of the card. Yeah. So everybody, do the worm in honor of him this week. Yeah. The thing, the thing with with Brian Christopher was that was a, I mean that that stuff came from Memphis when he was even younger, and Lawler never wanted to admit he had a son, that was that old because it hurt Lawler's like being the idea that he was like because Lawler had been wrestling since the seventies, and we're talking like in the early nineties. Brian Christopher is old enough to be like, well, I can't have a son that old. I'm not old enough to have a son. Like it was like a thing. Not like he didn't want to admit that, but it went, in character, the King never admitted that, um, and he feuded with him you know, forever. I mean, you know, I mean, if, if you're, if you own part of the territory, you know, that's the thing is why do, why does the, the guy who owns the territory always put the belt on himself? Cause he's the only guy he can trust. Right. Well, he, you know, Brian Christopher was the Southern champion. I, I mean, a, a buttload of times. I mean, they, that was what they did down in Memphis. You know, he would, he would be the Southern champion and he would drop it to somebody to get them over, win it back. And same thing with Lawler, same idea. He was the USWA champion forever. Why? Because he like won it twenty five, thirty times, you know, kind of thing. So, but yeah, it was sad news when I, when we we heard that, um, you know, especially since he must have, uh, you know, again, he was dealing with the issues with the DWI. He had dealt with issues of like uh, he owed a bunch of money, and it was just it was just a lot of things. You're just like, oh man, really? Like you hate hearing that stuff, yeah. um, you know? Because but I mean, but and then then you hear that you know he 
he hung himself in his jail cell and they, and they tried to they get him to the hospital in time. He didn't get there. And you're like, Ugh. like, it just breaks your heart to hear that. Um, but the, the sad fact is that that um, as much as these, you know, as Luke said, these guys appear larger than life. Uh, you know, Brian Christopher, he made a bunch of money when he was part of, uh, you know, uh, you know, too cool. But, you know, I mean, if you're not on TV every week or, and you're not, on a, you know, on high level indies and stuff like that, like, you know, I don't know how much money you're making. It's hard for some of these guys to go into the real world and get a real job. Like, it's hard to get a real job when you've done this for your you know, whole life, like almost you yeah. know, like 25 years, you know, 30 years. It's really hard to be the guy who's like, OK, now I'm going to get a job. You know, we saw that right. with, with Crush. We saw that with uh, um, what's his, the other guy, um, his partner. I forgot his partner's name. We saw it with Christian. Oh, uh, Raph. Wrath, right? You know those guys. Like, we saw yeah. all those guys. You saw how hard it was for them to get a job in like the real world. So, but yeah. very, very sad to hear that. So, yep. And then the uh, the third, this one, th- this was this this one was really uh, kind of this was the really unusual and kind of strange one to me. Uh, um, Southern Southern guy Brickhouse Brown, who I best remember. You know what I remember Brickhouse Brown from back in the nineties. When Jay and I would always get the after mags, mm-hmm. he was a guy you'd see in the after mags all the time because they gave a lot of coverage to the USWA, and he was a big USWA guy by that point in the '90s. But I even remember Brickhouse Brown, like he did some work with like World Class mm-hmm. and the CWA and the AWA back in the '80s, also. Now Brown had been suffering from prostate cancer, and I, I had a note here he had there was reports of his death on about a week prior to this. Jesus. But, wow. um, you know, his, his mom had found him and, and, and believed him to be dead, and he woke up. And <sighs> uh, so I saw this, like, oh, okay, well, you know, I mean, that's a crazy wrestling story, right? And so you'd think, okay, well, you know, I'm sure that, that he's going to, unfortunately, succumb to cancer at some point, but he's got this, this you know, he kicked out at the last second story, and then, unfortunately, <laughs> about nine days later, um, he, he did finally uh, lose his fight yeah. with, with cancer. Um, you know, to, Brown's a guy never was really, I mean, other than the time in like the AWA, wasn't really a, a national level guy, but a regional guy in the Southeast was a well-known and, you know, familiar staple in those those promotions in the Southeast. Uh, I'm just looking over some of his accomplishments later in his career. And, you know, he, uh, and just some of the <coughs> names that keep coming up because he, uh, because he said he was working with the USWA and the USWA had the agreement with, the world with the WWF at the time. So some of his last matches in um, uh, on TV, he fought an early match against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Right. Oh, he yeah. fought an early match against Henry Godwin. Uh, he his last tag team, the US the the USWA Tag Team Championship, is with his partner Reggie B. Fine. They beat Bart Sawyer and one Mr. Flex Cavana. I don't know yeah. if anybody ever heard what happened to him. Yeah. You might have Nobody. seen him in a movie or something yeah. this summer. You know. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just a guy that was, was around for a long time in a lot of the Southern promotions and a familiar name, if not somebody you saw on TV a lot. So, uh, very, yeah, very sad to see the, the passing of three, you know, uh, three guys from, from different eras and different regions, but all, uh, Brian, um, uh, Christopher Daniels said on his Twitter, he said that all, that each of these guys contributed something different to this crazy world that is pro wrestling, but they all will be missed. 
Yep. And it's 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 hard it's hard anytime you see this and to get three in one day was just uh, it was it was a bit bit a uh, very difficult. But the thing with Brickhouse Brown too is he was doing for a while he was doing stuff with high spots where he would host um like on their on they had a channel and they had these episodes it was him doing shoot interviews and stuff like that but then it was also him hosting matches and doing comedy like he was just such a gregarious guy that they, I mean everyone loved him um and to be honest uh the spot that Coco Beware or at the time Coco Ware took on the WWF roster could have very been, been Brickhouse Brown. Um, mm. And that's the thing is like Brickhouse Brown just happened to not be at the right place at the right time. Coco Ware is in the right place at the right time and Coco Ware gets signed. But to be honest, um, a guy like Ware and Brown and, and um, a number of other guys, you know, they were, um, you know, guys who were on tag teams and stuff like that, but they were enhancement talent, but they, the thing with USWA, and I don't know how much USWA anyone's ever really watched, you know, I've watched a lot of it recently uh, on Amazon Prime. Um, when you watch the enhancement talent, there were their, I mean, just complete job guys. They were the, oh, my God, that guy's a complete job guy. But then they had enhancement talent that was like a next level up, like where they kind of were stars, but not really. Like they never were going to win, but like they were at the, he, Brickhouse Brown was a lot at that level. Not saying he couldn't win titles because he clearly did, and he did other things, but a lot of times they would use him in that underneath role where it's like, oh man, like he he was such a good hand, and that's I, I don't want anyone to feel that like when I say someone's a good hand, it's a derogatory thing. To be a good hand is actually a great thing in wrestling. Um, he was so good, he could make he could make that heel look better. He get in there with a, with a guy like Jeff Gaylord, who might not have had any wrestling ability whatsoever. He was a big dude. But he would look great because why? Because Brickhouse Brown would make him look great, right? Yeah. You know, and, and to an extent, uh, and and Nikolai Volkov did a lot of that same role um, at times, depending on what his role was with WBF or WWWF. Um, you know, you didn't Volkov didn't win a ton of matches, but against top names, but he always made the top names look good. You know, I mean, he was there in a time when like Ivan Putsky was there. He was there. And obviously Hulk Hogan and like the Randy Savage and whatever, you go have a great match with him. You look good. He's a big dude and he, you know, he looks intimidating. So when you do things to him, it looks, he's yelling you over. And then let's be honest, Brian Christopher, even though he was a top guy um, in USWA, a lot of Brian Christopher spent a lot of time as an underneath guy anyway, but made guys look good. Um, and I think that's part of what happens when, when someone like Roddy Piper passes away, we're coming up on the anniversary of Piper's passing. People are like, oh, man, Roddy Piper was the best heel of all time. Oh, and, and I'm not saying he wasn't a, an amazing heel, but Roddy Piper was a superstar, right? Yeah. These yeah. guys are the kind of guys that, you know, I mean, we would you would kind of think, well, we might see them at like, you know, you're at a bingo hall or at a VFW hall wrestling. Like, oh, my God, these guys are the legends they're bringing back. But these guys are still so good. They made guys look good. They made guys. And um, it's hard because I think a lot of uh, – if if all you've watched is recent wrestling, you don't understand like, the the importance of the guy who's underneath the guy who they used to call the job guy, the enhancement guy, the guy whose talent it was to make you look better. Yeah. Um, it's lost. I think. I mean, that's the problem is you don't have guys like this anymore, you know, kind of thing. So um, it's sad that they all went. And as Luke said, it was one right after the other. I was at the pool. Um, we were about to get in the water and I saw it. I said, Brian Christopher passed away. And I said, Fuck. And I said, that's the first thing I said. I sent the, the text to you guys. I said, fuck, Brian Christopher died. And then, yeah. right, I get out of the water or whatever, and I'm like, the next thing I'm like, fuck, Volkov died too. And then, seriously, as we're getting ready to leave, I look at my phone for the third time. I said, like, 
third one. Are you kidding? And the brick house brought, and I was like, I, I didn't want to check my phone anymore. I just like yeah. I don't want anything else to happen. Like I'm like even though these guys might not have been names that necessarily people nowadays would know, they are very important, and they all gave so much to the sport that right. is wrestling, and so much to the entertainment side that is wrestling. There are there are guys who are top guys earning a lot of money because guys like this and guys like these three guys made them. So um, they'll be missed, yeah. and you know it's a shame, but you know. Well, and and you know you talk about we don't you don't see as much appreciation for the 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 underneath guys, and mm-hmm. I think we've gotten a little bit more of that lately because there's a bit more programming. I was watching main event before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know who was on main event? It was uh, Heath Slater and Rhino and yes. the Ascension and Zack Ryder and Jinder Mahal. Now Mahal's not an underneath guy at this point, but all those other guys, those are what you know traditionally. You know, we we th- those are the uh, those are the carpenters, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that mm-hmm. work. That you know, Stan Hansen. He said that a couple of years ago at the Hall of Fame. He he broke the internet by using the term carpenters. And everybody just kind of like, oh, my God, you know, this old, old term. But these guys, you know, make they, they their job is to make the other guys look good and, and yeah. make sure that they can work. You know, a guy like Kurt Hawkins, a guy like Zack Ryder, that, you know, they'll they'll always have a spot right. because they can do that. You know that you can send a good example. I said it was it was uh, Jinder Mahal and Zack Ryder. You know, Mahal was a he was a top guy. He's been losing a bit. They're building him back up. You can send him out against Zack Ryder and know you'll get a good match right. because Ryder can work with anybody and Ryder can sell. And, but Ryder's believable enough that, okay, he could hit uh, the Broski boot or he could hit his moves, right. the, the rough rider, and, you know, the, and the crowd will get behind him a bit. Or on the heel side, you can send whatever team you want. You, you, you can send the B team against the Ascension, and you know the Ascension will give him a good heel effort in that match. And, and, and I think that here in the age of social media, we've gotten back to, yes, top guys are top guys. We all know top guys don't carry their own bags and all that. But the, the, the underneath guys, I think, get some good measure of respect from the, the smarter fans and the smarts who understand yeah. how the business works. So well, We also don't have, what do you call it? We also don't have the, the wrestling we have now. Um, we have, t- you, know, you have, you have the, you know, instead of it just being like, you know, uh, Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler jawing at each other week after week after week until they finally meet, you know, four weeks down the road at the Coliseum. This, you now have, nowadays, you would have Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk have a match now, and then a match next week. And, a match, and, yeah. and those things become unimportant. And the whole thing, and, and uh, Jim Cornette you, uh, spoke about this as well, and Bruce Pritchard talks about this as well. I know some people don't like Bruce Pritchard, which is fine, or Jim Cornette. Um, some people don't like both. Uh, the <laughs> idea, but Cornette talks about this all the time. He's like, you need carpenters. Why? Because your names will draw the house, but someone's got to build it. Your carpenter builds your house, and that's what mm-hmm. happens, right? You have guys who will draw up the plans, but if you don't have anyone to build it, how are you going to do this? So you right. need guys underneath to build a house. I mean, somebody has to carry the mail. That's an old, a very old wrestling term, <laughs> but, someone, yep. but it's, it's true. Someone has to carry the mail. Someone has to be the guy to do this, and a lot of that's lost. Now that we, I mean, with, with, the, with the loss of territories, uh, and that's one of my biggest, you know, kind of thing. I would love to see, like, you know, territories really we could still exist, but they can't in, that, in today's day and age. But with the loss of that, and that was one of the things about Lucas saying, the after mags, you would read the after mags, 
and you're like, man, look at this. Like now, granted, the stories in the aftermags were a lot of were just BS. They made them up. But we would look at like, you know, pictures like, wow, look, Andre Giant went to USWA and wrestled Jerry Lawler. That's so cool. Like, right. or you would see like Kerry Von Erich. Oh, my God. where's He's in Japan. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just those things that like it made the world of wrestling seem so much grander than the the five hours of live TV we get every week from WWE, which kind of seems cookie cutter, you know, mm-hmm. and. You needed carpenters to build your houses. You needed those guys. I mean, to be honest, I've seen Zack Ryder wrestle live. He's awesome, right? Yeah. I've also seen, you know, I mean, I saw Ricochet wrestle live. He's insane, too. Like, it's not, it's totally different, though. You know, a guy like Ricochet is not doing the same moveset as Zack Ryder. But to be fair, no. to be, but to be fair to, to, to Ricochet, he's not supposed to. Right. right? He's Ricochet. in a different spot on right. the card than, right. than a guy like Ryder. Yeah. Right. Zach Ryder is there to build whoever he's. And even when Zach Ryder had his run, when they were having him win matches, remember? When we thought he was going to win the title. I mean, I was yeah. like, I mean, like I was losing my mind, right? But, like, you know, the whole idea is that you, you could believe that because Zach Ryder could do it. If, if yeah. we were watching matches where we watched, and I'm not, and I'm not trying, again, I'm just, I just picked Ricochet. But if we watched Ricochet go out there and not do him, you would say, okay, something's wrong. Like, this seems weird. Zack Ryder, though, because he's a great carpenter, can work with John Cena. He can work with guys like The Big Show and Braun Strowman. He can work with Triple H. He can work with anybody yeah. and have a good match, and a different match, too. And that's not to, you know, try to badmouth what he called. Because you know, you know who's a great carpenter, and now he's a top guy? It's Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what it is. Cody Rhodes, the Miz is a great carpenter, and I'm and, not, and, and, again, I don't mean those. And, what, and what's the terms. knock always on the two guys you just said? What's always the 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 super smart Mark up Dave Metzler's ass <laughs> Mark knock on Cody and Miz? Oh, they're they're the king of the three star match. Yeah, it's like fine. Cody Rhodes may not have the same work rate as you know uh, his Lord and Savior Kenny Omega, but you go to a match <laughs> and Cody's the main event, you are. You are having a ball because he is such a good worker and is so good at manipulating the crowd's emotions and everything he needs to do mm-hmm. to be a heel. And it's the same with The Miz. The Miz is one of the, you know, Daniel Bryan said it, you know, the the, the, the safe, bland WWE style. Well, it seems to be working okay for him. Right. Considering he's now getting cheered across the nation. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. I didn't, I didn't want to derail us there. I know we got some. No, and, and again, it's, it's you know, it's uh it's it's sad anytime some of this comes up, but it's it's part of the first off. Uh, you know we've said this before. It's one of the one of the uh, universal truths of pro wrestling. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. It, it, this is a it, it, it's it's much different now than it was, but this is still a rough a rough game that yeah. that these guys and gals are involved with. Uh, but that said, you know they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't love it. Right. And uh, it's you know we 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 keep our. Thoughts and prayers with the families of uh, right. of Volkoff and uh, Christopher and uh, Brown, and uh, just remember all the good times we had uh, watching them perform. So let's just uh, uh, keep that in mind as we work through our our episode today, and uh, let's let's get off of the downbeat stuff and let's let's yeah. take a look at some fun stuff. Uh, wrestling's supposed to be fun, uh, despite what again the smart marks will tell you. Wrestling is serious. <laughs> it is serious. I yeah. have a gift Serious that business. I love of talking to Cody Rhodes. I don't know where they are. He comes out an ROH show, and then Bernard the Business Bear comes out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bernard straightens his tie, and they shake hands. And on the gif, 
they've put in flashing lights business. And it's like, this is business. <laughs> right now. Uh, and so the first order of business that we have is we have emails to read. And if you would like to uh, email us, it's get back to the wrestling <laughs> at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us. You can also uh, reach us on Twitter at uh, GBTTW podcast. You can also check us out on Facebook. Just find our group, which is get back to the wrestling and uh, you can get in touch with us there. But our first email tonight comes from Russell Bragg. All right. And, uh, Russell is reaching back into the annals of hallowed antiquity. And he's saying, get back to the wrestling one, the greatest never to hold the world title, uh, reaching back into our back catalog here. And Russell writes, hello, fellows. If we're in a, we're in a Silver Age DC comic here. <laughs> okay, chum. You know what I mean? It's like you got to write teenager with the hyphen in there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're, we're, we're two words in, and I've derailed the email. Okay, Russell right. hello, fellows. This was a great topic, one I don't think about, but you got me thinking. The first one to come to mind was Jake the Snake Roberts. I know we held championships in other federations, but I think it would have been cool to see him with the WWF championship belt on him, for that matter, the Intercontinental belt. Uh, yes, and uh, Jay, not would never have happened in that era, but you want to talk about a guy that they could have done some weird crap with if him is the top guy, Jake Roberts is it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if he was in that tweener, you know, because tweeners didn't win belts back then. Yeah. No, you can't have a tweener win a belt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, back not, not back then. Yeah. yeah, back east, you know, maybe, but uh... <laughs> actually, it's down south, maybe. But... Down south, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Southeast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Russell continues. Then I thought of Ricky Steamboat not getting a chance to wear the WWF belt. At least he wore the NWA belt, and yeah, and that that that's one of those ones where it's like you, Ricky, you you have to really remind yourself. Yeah, he never did win the belt. Well, in, that's his, that's really his own fault, though. Because he, no, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, he got tired of being there. He's like, well, if you're not going to put the belt on me, I'm going to have to leave. And he left. And then he went to the NWA, and he won the world title. He's like, see, I can do this. And then he's having the run with Flair, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go back. Like, it was, but, I mean, some some people say it had to do his wife telling him, like, you need to be the top guy, or you need to leave, like, things like that. Like, Ricky Steamboat, the problem became this, and this is really, honestly, and, and, if, and if anybody... Um, you know, thinks back to this about our WrestleMania four episode. We talked about this. Um, Hogan was so over as champion. And when Hogan decided he was going to go make his movie, right. And then he had to leave after WrestleMania four, supposedly, according to um, Bruce Pritchard and everybody else who so like, whatever, and they were there, it was only ever going to be savage. It was only ever going to be savage as the champion. And that, Ted DiBiase had to face him in the finals because they were never because because I mean we brought that up. Hey, why didn't you have Savage uh, Steamboat in the final? You couldn't have two faces going to it. They didn't want to confuse the crowd. The queen yeah. again, it's Atlantic well. City, so we didn't have the brightest bulbs in the store. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just saying, right? Uh, hey, the truth hurts. Not like jumping a bicycle seat on it, but it hurts. Um, so the problem becomes like I mean, it, and it makes perfect sense when they said it like because. That's what was brought up. We brought it up. It was brought up there. It's been brought up in, like every other people have talked about it as well. Why was it not Savage Steamboat 2 for the title? First of all, the sequel's never as good as the first one. If you don't believe me, go watch the latter match Shawn Michaels had with Razor Ramon and then watch the second one. <laughs> Even though the second one's really good, it's not as good as the first one. But right? which one has his ass showing? That's the only one that matters. <laughs> the moon. You know, you know Vince McMahon hates that. 
that's direct flair bullshit. You know, kind of thing. Like <laughs> he hates that. Chris Flair would have that happen. Yeah, I mean, well, they, how, I'm saying, how many times did Flair have his tights? Yeah. Just, you know, and tights pulled down. that that southern wrestling bullshit. You know, kind of thing. Um, hey, it, it works for the ladies. Well, some men yeah. too. Well, there's other stories about that. Anyway, so uh, the thing is, so you think about that, like there was never going to be Steamboat was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think Steamboat's best matches ever, obviously, were with Flair when you watch that. I mean, not to take anything away from Steamboat and, and, and Savage, but we only have one of those where they were able to go with no crap with it. You know, there was no be- no, no bell used or something else. Just the two of them having the you know that match. And that might be the best match in WWE history. That's it's been. That's what people feel a lot. But when you go back and watch the trilogy that he did with Flair, um, where the belt went back and forth, those matches were on a par. And I know you're not supposed to say that with the stuff he did with Savage. When you look at him as a whole, you know, and it, and it just it's just it just was a lot of timing with Steamboat, which is a shame, you know, because Ricky Steamboat, if he was. If Ricky, let's say Ricky Steamboat was there, like he was a little, he was younger, and he was there when the steroids scandal hit. Mm. That's your champion. It's yeah. an easy fix, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he speaks perfect English. There's not an issue of him. Like you know, he, he's 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 certainly not on steroids, right? I mean, he's right. in great shape, but he wasn't a giant. I mean, that's how Bret Hart got the spot. Yes, we all know it. So anyway, uh, sorry. One one real quick thing yeah, about yeah. Uh, Ricky Steamboat before we move on. I was watching Ride Along earlier. Yes. And you guys know <laughs> I love Ride Along. Oh and the God. Iconics. Yes. The Iconics were on Ride Along and they were playing Kiss Mary Repug. Yes. And uh, well, you got to say it. Kiss Mary Kiss or Repug. Mary Repug. Repug. <laughs> and uh, Billy Kay said that she would marry Ricky Steamboat because with a, with an arm drag like that. She, he could arm drag her all day long and arm drag her right down the aisle. He'd so, arm drag me right down oh, the aisle. He could arm drag me down the I'll aisle. I'll tell you right now. If, 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 and again, if, if listeners have not watched the ride-alongs, ride-alongs are, are, tend to be funny. Some aren't. <laughs> Elias was not funny. Um, but no, then again, I don't Elias, think Elias no. is very funny at all. I think he's a decent wrestler, but he's not very funny. But the, the newest episode, which has got the Iconics, um, the other half of the episode is not as funny. It's Lana, Rusev, and Aiden English. Um, which is fine, but the Iconics are, uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce are so funny just the way they talk, <laughs> right? And as I'm not making fun of their accents, but just the way they're like, man, you know, like they're just going, like they're just jibber jabbering back and forth. And you're like, how is she driving this car and not crashing it? Right? So, <laughs> well, she says I'm a, that. She says, yeah, oh, I you know, <laughs> in, in Australia, it's the other side of the car, the other side of the road. And I like to say, I'm, I'm still a bad driver. So. Yeah. I, although I got to admit, though, um, if if you're if you are a fan of Ride Along, then you all will agree that the one with um uh was it with D- uh, Dash and Wilder, right? The uh, um the top our top guys here, right? Yeah. Um, when when you watch that, it does exactly like you think it's gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the best four horsemen lineup ever has got to be Flair, Anderson, Wyndham, and Blanchard. Oh, what about the, I don't know, man. Like I wish I was joking. That's what they're discussing. You know, the well, the thing is, as wrestling fans, you all know those two yeah. guys. It's just yeah. these right. two became actual wrestlers. Right. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they have to get their coffee. What? How are you to open? Yes, we're gonna get coffee. Like it's just so. I'm like, <laughs> fuck. Like, and, and a part of me is like, I wonder if they're doing it on purpose. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, they I really, think that's really them. I think you know. this might be them. 
know. So anyway, not to but, get uh, off. Yeah, but uh, no, that's what happens. Uh, Russell continues. Right down the aisle. Yeah. Right drag down the aisle. Oh man, that's. Yeah. Anyway, Ru- Russell continues. Um, it might have been cool to see Hulk Hogan wear the original NWA strap, and that's an interesting, ooh, an interesting could. statement. He never, no, because it, it, the timing was never right. But yeah. let, let's again play the what if machine. Mm. He, you know, when he when he first came in, when he was when he was, um, you know, before he was the incredible Hulk Hogan, like when he before he was supposed to be like the like he was when he Freddie Blassie was his manager when he was the heel. Yeah. Um, he, but the problem, and to be honest, and and I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool because it would have been. There's no way in the world they were to let him ever put that belt on because he couldn't wrestle. Um, <laughs> the, um, and I wish I was joking. I wish, I, and people are like, well, Ric Flair can't really wrestle. Ric Flair went in and he did 60 minutes a night every yeah. single town. But we're talking about the days of Harley Race, uh, Dory Funk Jr. Terry Funk, like, let, let me know when I name somebody who's not, like, a badass, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, the those champions, Ric Flair is in there. I mean, Dusty Rhodes, and while Dusty Rhodes was the booker and put himself over, whatever, du- you bought the Dusty Rhodes. You know, he won it from Flair, but he never held it for a long time. When you look at guys who held the belt for a long time, they were real wrestlers. Hogan, except for that one run in Japan where he looked really well, good. Well, that's and that and that's what I was going to say is that Hogan, you know, was trained by Hiro Matsuda, he, and we've all seen the clips and stuff of him yeah. in Japan. Hogan can work. I don't think he can do the Broadways like all those no. guys you were yeah, just that's saying. Yeah, problem. Yeah, but 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 again, think of the what if machine. You mentioned Dusty Rhodes. Let's think about Dusty Rhodes, son of a plumber. I don't have the I don't have the the body of the athlete of the day. And put him against a heel Hogan, who does yeah. have that athlete's body of the oh, day. Yeah. It's this mountain yeah. of a man from Venice Beach, California, coming in to this little podunk town. You know, yeah. then that I that would have been compelling. Yeah, now, not, yeah, yeah. I think... And and even then, give Hogan a run for a few months or something like that, and then have Dusty take it off of him or whatever. But I I, I think Russell makes a good point. Something like that would have been crazy to yeah. see. You know, because because I always think of, um, you know, and, and it's essentially true. But Hogan, as a heel before he came to WWF, I always yeah. think of him as, you know, uh, he, in my mind, he's always Thunderlips, essentially. Right? <laughs> I am the ultimate male. The ultimate male. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, you know, that, that that's that's the beauty of pro wrestling. There's so many permutations. You can play the what if machine game all day long, yeah. you know. And, and in fact, Russell in his email can, does exactly that. He continues. Oh. I've been listening to the Tony Schiavone podcast, What Happened When, and they brought up Arn Anderson, and I thought, why not? He could talk. He could wrestle. Might have made a good battle storyline for Ric Flair to get, quote, his belt back. And we didn't know Arn kind of, we were talking about this kind of in a, in a tangential way before. Arn was one of those guys that he was there. I mean, Arn would win his matches and win his his TV titles and, and his tag titles. And stuff. He was there to build guys up. Yep. And be the gatekeeper for Flair and yep. make, you know, whatever babyface Flair was feuding with. He had to go through Anderson and then he beat Anderson. It's like, oh man, you know, uh, you know look, look at how he took out the enforcer. He's ready and coming for Flair kind of things. And I, you know, I, again, as a big Arn Anderson fan, would have been cool to see him with the belt. It's just one of those ones that it was never going to happen no. given, given his role. Well, his only chance to win the belt was when um, it was. Uh, they did a run there when Flair left and Anderson was still there. 
Yes. Was that dangerous? I don't, I don't, it wasn't dangerous alliance time, but it, it was before Hogan was there. There was that, that was, was a dangerous alliance. That's like 1992. Yeah, isn't right. It? I'm saying there yeah. was that time there where he was kind of being put in more of a main event picture because he was one of the only guys who actually, you know, had like, I mean, he, a lot of the guys were young and whatever. That was his chance. But you got to remember, like Sting was always still there. He never left. Yeah. And when Sting doesn't leave, like if Sting had left, I think Anderson would have had a really easy time to move into that position. The problem, again, becomes is that without Flair and Steamboat, and they're gone, right? So now you have uh, – no, Steamboat was still there, right? Wasn't Steamboat tagging with um, with um, Shane Douglas at the time? Yeah, around then, yeah. Right, but I'm saying, right? But, like, there was that void, but Sting was still there. And, um, like, Nikita Koloff was still there. Like, it was at the end of the Koloffs, Right. And you still had Vader, and you still had Sid before he left. Like you had enough guys where Anderson never got the chance to slide into that spot. He could right. have, but again, his job was to make guys. He, he even in the Dangerous Alliance, you know, I mean, he would get out there. I mean, like, I mean, Paulie Dangerously was the, was the, the mouthpiece of the thing. But Anderson was kind of the leader. He kind of played Ric Flair, but he didn't really play Ric Flair. He kind of just did Arn Anderson doing Ric Flair. Right. You know, like well, he was you know, Anderson, like Anderson's one of those, Anderson's one of those guys that always makes you think of early WCW, Jim yeah. Crockett promotions, late yeah. NWA, where when he came out to do a promo, he'd get cheered. But when he came out and beat the living crap out of somebody, he'd get booed. Yeah. It's, it's like, we we're sticking to kayfabe, but we like you, you know? Yeah. So. The funny part was, it's always, his interviews were always the best. You know, you have Flair, He'd be like, it's hard keeping these alligators on the floor, like all that, you know, whatever. And Arn Anderson's like, you know me, you know what I do. I don't wear a white hat. I'll see you Sunday. It's like, yeah. okay, like that guy, like seriously, as long as he doesn't get, you know, hopping out the back in his cheetah print underwear, that guy might <laughs> kick your ass. Oh, so Arn. <laughs> oh, Arn. <laughs> yeah. oh uh, Russell continues. Who else? And now he's just got a list. WWF. Ted DiBiase, legitimately. Wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, Dusty I think everyone, everyone agrees with that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, he's he's Dusty. a phantom champ. Yep. He won it at a house show. I was I was reading about it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, Razor Ramon, Mister Perfect, Rick Rude, Roddy Piper, Davy Boy Smith, and maybe Lex Luger. That's a good list of uh, WWF yeah. guys. I, those I are mean, guys not to win the WWF title. Right, because yeah. The, those guys saying. in there are WCW and NWA world champions for sure. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dusty, God bless Dusty Rhodes, and and you know, I, and I said it, I said it, you know, another. I I I, I always was when Dusty was in WWF. I, I as I liked Dusty when he was in the uh, NWA when we'd watch him on uh, World Championship Wrestling or whatever. When he came <laughs> over, I just thought it was ridiculous because like this guy was the top guy, and you got him, you know, uh, shit gimmick. You know, just just acting like a like a clown. So I never understood it. I mean, I always liked Dusty Rhodes, but looking back on it now, especially when you hear Cody talk about it, Cody yeah. and Dustin yeah. talk about his run in WWF and you know taking taking chicken shit and making chicken salad. Right. Uh, it's like man, you know, it's like it never would have happened. But how funny would that have been if he got so over that they had to put the belt on him? That, that would have been Dusty literally laughing all the way to the bank yeah. right there. Is yeah. all that would have been. <laughs> could you imagine that, though? Because Dusty Rhodes could have been the, the – because remember, because Hogan was – Hogan had left and come back and left. At that point, I mean, he was feuding 
with you know DiBiase. Like, could you Zeus? imagine? Yeah, like, that was and, around the time of No Holds Barred. Right? Could you imagine that Dusty Rhodes? I mean, because you could have done this. You could have Dusty Rhodes being your champion, right? And who comes in? Isn't that when Slaughter, right around the time Slaughter came back as a heel? Uh, a little bit before that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking. We're, how, we're close. We're okay, close. But how yeah. good would that have been? Because you don't, you don't need Warrior then, right? Think about right. that. We're throwing out the guy with the best body maybe in the 80s for the guy with maybe <laughs> the worst body in the 80s. Well, Playboy Buddy Rose. But, I mean, he had the blow-away diet. <laughs> the so, blow-away um, diet, yeah. <laughs> the uh, problem became, what do you call it? Could you imagine that? Like, WrestleMania main event. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, losing the title to, or at Royal Rumble, doesn't matter, to yeah. Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, God. Two not, non-WWF guys with the belt. Vince would have had an aneurysm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I mean, you know it had serious. to be hard enough for him to put the belt on Slaughter, you yeah. know, even for well, only Well, you know what, though, be honest months, Slaughter, you know? Slaughter did have a run, you know, him and Pat yeah. Patterson had those crazy matches. It's not that Slaughter wasn't a WWF guy, but Slaughter really was he transcended wrestling slaughter yeah. with the gi joe deal he was yeah. so much bigger than wrestling i mean if if you want to be honest here think about in the 80s i mean hulk hogan transcended wrestling as well hulk hogan was bigger than life sergeant slaughter was pretty friggin' big too you know what i'm saying yeah. like if, if you said to someone who's a pro wrestler and they didn't say hulk hogan they might have said sergeant slaughter yeah i'd buy that you know what i'm saying yeah. because everyone knew he was a wrestler and then with, G, with the G.I. Joe connection, I'm like, good Lord, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and um, younger ris- listeners may not realize that three and three quarter inch, um, yeah. you know, G.I. Joe, real American hero. Yeah, I no. mean, not only was like was was the not just like the top boys toy, like the top boys brand. Yes. You yes. know, it's like yeah, what fruit. Marvel is today. G.I. Yep. Joe was yes. in the 80s. They should go yeah, watch I mean, the, the documentary, uh, the Toys on that made us. Uh, Toys that made yep. us. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. when they when they talk about the original GI Joe stuff, I'm like, okay, I don't know that because I wasn't alive then. Then they talk about the, still cool. The, well, I didn't say it wasn't cool, but I'm like, okay, we're talking about stuff that happened before I was alive. It's just like when they talk about the invention of Lego. I wasn't alive when that happened, right? So, <laughs> but then, but then, like they get to the they get to the the three and three quarter. I'm like, oh my god, this is it. Like this is this is what my thing was. And that oh, yeah. ha- that that Star Wars and GI Joe were the exact same size. I don't think it's a coincidence. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those things. It's, it was. It's not. And, no, I, and, what, I and, and it's not this. And it's not the coincidence that GI Joe had better articulation. Yes. Than Star oh, Wars. Well, that was. That, yeah. Those, you know, those are all Kirk, stories Kirk you Bogos- can tell on those documentaries. So. Yeah. Well, Kirk, Kirk Bogosian, who was the brain, he was the director of Boys Toys at Hasbro and one of the driving forces of GI Joe. I, an interview with him on 3DJoes.com. He says we were. I was like, we are, we were tasked with separating kids from their money and we were really good at it. Yeah, they so. were. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They still this are. Is I mean, not a GI Joe pun. No. So. Because that will get us down a rabbit hole that we'll never get out of. Yeah, that's um, true. We still got back stuff to, to talk Russell's about email We haven't finished yeah. this email yet. <laughs> Jeez, and right. Uh, okay, so he's this uh, NWA slash WCW guys. Uh, Magnum TA, he was getting there, of course. He was. Um, Scott Hall. And Roddy Piper, and uh, I mean, that's the thing. I don't. I guess I always think of Piper in WWE just later in his life, not in his prime. You know, when he came back in the '90s when he was well, working with Hogan and such. You can think if you think back to the original when Piper had the dog collar match with Greg Valentine. If you've never seen that, you want to see two guys split each other open something fierce. Um, the Piper then could have, but 
the thing is this is that when you when you look back at Piper's career, Piper was he was a great talker, and that's what he always was really good at. I mean, Piper was really good at talking every single week and never letting you see him wrestle. Yeah, I'm being honest, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not I'm not speaking bad of him. That's I think is amazing. I think he did something that no one else could do. He would t- piss you off so much with his mouth. You're like, man, I want to see him get his comeuppance. And for a guy who, I think about this, Piper was never, never got pinned or submitted, right? He lost by a DQ. He lost because there was interference, whatever. Piper never got pinned or submitted. He never let someone put his shoulders to the mat. And he was very adamant about that for his whole career. He never lost that way, at least for years and years and years. Um, and if he, if he did, if he did put you over that way, it was a real statement of how much he respected you or respected and, and what you stood for. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of what didn't when was he, what did he and Bret Hart wrestle for the IC title? Uh, WrestleMania eight. Yeah, I mean, I believe. Right, I'm saying is like that's the kind of respect. Yeah, it's Bret Hart level respect you had to have, and yeah. that's and, and and the Hart family. I mean, it's not to say he didn't respect guys like Hogan or whatever, but Hogan never pinned him. Yeah, not 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 in the main run. And you know what though, a guy like Piper, I, I mean, I know that this is such a crappy thing to say, he didn't need the belt. No. He never needed a belt ever. You know? Yeah, I mean, so. you know, P- Piper's. I mean, you know, all I can say about Roddy Piper, he's no quick Rick Roberts. I mean, I think we all <laughs> can agree with that. Oh boy, yeah. Smilex dead. Smilex but, dead. Uh, <laughs> any comments? Going, Smilex dead. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Russell continues. Like I said, they may have gotten minor belts or the heavyweight championships in other federations, but it might have been nice to see the above list to become champion for one of the big two even if just for a little while. Hope this all made sense. Correct me where needed. I, I think you were right on the money, uh, Russell. Hang on. <laughs> know that I am listening and thoroughly enjoying your podcast. Keep up the great work. Signed, Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Russell, thank you very much for writing in. Some good food for thought. Some good discussion there. Uh, that that's you know that was why that's one of the things that I we picked that topic because yeah. we knew we could get a lot of and and we say this on on the episodes like there's there's no way to know everything and every guy so you're always gonna think oh yeah I remember him oh yeah. geez why didn't I think of that you know so, so that's Russell's, right we, Russell's from West generating. Virginia right that's yeah what he said I wonder if he knows the Briscoes yeah. <laughs> Russell do you know Just them he's boys from the place yeah. well, they, like how big is West Virginia you're it's like a postage stamp. Yeah, I no, no. Yes, we are dem boys, but dem boys, dem boys, you know, kind of thing. I, you know what's funny is, sorry, not to get that. Remember when WE gave the Briscoes a tryout match, and yeah. the crowd went crazy and loved them, and they were like, <laughs> "Okay, well, we need you to clean all this up." They said, yeah. "What do you mean?" They go, "You need to get teeth, get rid of the beard, and cover up the tattoos." They're like, "Are you joking?" No, and they left. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying the Briscoes might be the best tag team that may never wrestle on like, you know, like, I mean, they were like the the current tag teams. Now they are outstanding and they will never wrestle for WWE. And <laughs> yet, you know, we have guys like Aleister Black, you know, who you look at him and he's tatted up all over the place or a guy like CM Punk or whatever. And they were like, you need teeth. You yeah. need to shave the beard. And I'm like, you know, and that's, and that's just showing, that's just showing the modern bias of, yeah. Vince McMahon, because he didn't hold it against the Bushwhackers. No, I was just about to say that. <laughs> and let me tell Bush, you something. Man. Let me tell you something. If you are only familiar with the family-friendly Bushwhackers <laughs> of the WWF, Google the Sheep Herders oh my and God. then look away in horror. 
the, no. the worst part is is it's that hilarious. Johnny is Johnny Ace waving their flag. You're like, <laughs> look at that, look at that guy, Johnny Ace. Oh, Vince, uh, your arms are looking very vascular today. You know, kind of thing. Johnny, oh. Johnny. Oh, Vince, kind of rubs that stuff on your arms. Thanks, Johnny. Anyway, oh, but, uh, but you, the, see, you say Johnny Ace. Herders, all I all I can all I can think of is that story with Luke Gallows and yes. uh, Gordy. It's like, well, Drew, I didn't know that. You're free to go. <laughs> <laughs> the problem becomes what do you call when you watch them? You've got to. I mean, the sheep herder stuff was insane. The sheep herders and the Fantastics. They didn't put it on the big, the the best of Mid South DVD, which is the biggest. It's not on the blue. It's one of the biggest travesties. Travesties they left off. They have a barbed wire match that is not for the weak at heart. And then you realize this is years before ECW and all yeah. that bullet you know, kind of thing. Oh my God. It's just so, and you're like, when I first saw it, I was like, why would anyone do this? And it's just <laughs> so crazy. You're like, that's the Bushwhackers. <laughs> it's the Bushwhackers. And you know, uh, but in, like, I mean, and the thing is the Fantastics. And again, if you've never, if you're not a, if you don't watch old Southern wrestling, the Fantastics were, I mean, they were great. Um, but, you watch the Fantastics, the Fabs, the Midnight, the you know the Rock and Roll, like all those teams. The tag team stuff was great. The Fantastics were actually one of the best shoot interviews ever. Remember that shoot interview, Luke? Where yes. uh, you know he's like, "Well, Baba Fulton's gonna go keep talking the whole time. Bob Fulton will tell you the story. Bob Fulton tell you these things. You know, Bob Fulton, <laughs> Bob Fulton tell you." You're like, "What? What?" But he never <laughs> shut up, and he told great stories. And the best part of it, Tommy Rogers would be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's right." Yeah. 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 I mean, it's yep. not as good as when the Rock and Roll Express did their shoot interview, and Ricky Morton never stopped talking. And then Robert Gibson would be like, every once in a while, like, Robert, you know, yep. And then sat there, 45 minutes, just not saying a word. You're like, yep, it's just like their wrestling matches. But. Just like yeah, me. Pretty much. Anyway. Oh, man. Sorry. So we, we have another we email. Have one, we have one other email. It comes from a loyal listener, uh, Robert Ludwig. And Robert writes with the email line, grab them cakes. And uh, he writes, howdy, fellas. So even since my last email, I've been thinking about the wrestling album. And who doesn't think about the wrestling oh album? I found it downstairs. Uh, I found the tape. <laughs> I did. I went downstairs to get uh, – I, I had supplies, like, you know, because, the, the, God forbid, they allow her to have three black notebooks. My daughter has to have a green notebook, a black notebook, yeah. a red notebook. So I have notebooks put away for when we could get them for, like, 25 cents. And I felt like, oh, I know the wrestling album. I pulled the wrestling album out. I have it. Yeah. It's a tape, so I don't know how I'm going to listen to yeah. it. But, you got to buy a car with a tape deck. That's the yeah. easiest way. It's like an eight track. That's the yeah. cheapest way to do that nowadays. <laughs> I don't know how uh, expensive is it to get an IROC Z now? Yeah. <laughs> just what you do, just go down to any pizza delivery place and just have to do the <laughs> bar with car for. Yo, bro, can I borrow your car for a few minutes, bro? Bro, 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 bro. Bruh, I'll sweep bruh. the avalanche for a GoPro too, bro. Howdy, fellas. <laughs> 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 Oh my god, that's crazy. Yo, bro. <laughs> For anyway. some reason, I thought of the Junkyard Dog song the other night when I saw the New Day and their pancake shenanigans. I thought it would be perfect if just for one time they came out to that song as an homage to JYD and to pancakes. Just kind of thought they fit. I could see that. I could mm -hmm. see that, too. I mean, you know, they're all about black excellence. I mean, JYD was an early example of that, wasn't he? So... You know, I could totally see that with all the, the cake stuff. But uh, uh, speaking of Junkyard Dog, I was thinking back to my first wrestling event. Well, I haven't been to many. The first one was memorable. One of the reasons my dad decided we could go was that Andre the <laughs> Giant was going to be there. Well, this was before then. his heel turn into the Heenan family stable. 
The only three wrestlers I remember to be on the card were JYD, Hillbilly Jim, and Andre. JYD was on early, possibly the first match to get the crowd going in Omaha, Nebraska. My guess would be that he won, and I would say yes. Junkyard Dog at that point, uh, yeah, I would say that he probably won. He was the gatekeeper. Yeah. He was Hogan's yeah. gatekeeper. Yep. So, well, you know, but you know also, who, also, you know who might have also been on that card, win. to be honest with you? Talk about Jake. Those, when those names are there, you know who might have been on that card? Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, most yeah. likely from that most era. Most likely. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying, that era, you know, kind of thing, so. Uh, let's see. Robert continues. As, yeah. as the night went on, I cheered for the faces, booed the heels, and just had fun. I didn't know the matches were predetermined or anything. I just enjoyed the wrestling. Well, after intermission, there was an announcement made that Andre was not able to make it to town. Uh, uh-oh. I have no idea what happened or why, but I know that I was disappointed. The headline match for the night was a tag match with Andre and Hillbilly Jim versus... I have no idea. <laughs> I know... I know... <laughs> you, remember, you know, that's childhood, right? You remember certain things very clearly and other things disappear It totally could have been what do you call? It, Again, that, been, might have, that could have been Nikolai could, and Sheik. It could have been Nikolai and Sheik, yeah, absolutely. Or it also could have been Big John Studd and uh, whoever else you want to throw in from the Heenan family. Uh, you know, because... Yep. Honestly, if you can, uh, if you can yeah. think of the year I know and the it was date... Not for any- yeah, we can it's, find it. <laughs> you can usually find who's on it, the yeah. card. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, Robert continues. I know it was not for any titles, as we did not see any title matches until the next time WWE came to town with Hulk Hogan. But anyway, Hillbilly Jim came out to do a handicap match. Once the heels started working over Hillbilly Jim, the crowd started chanting for JYD. Of course. My guess is this only occurred for a couple of minutes or so, but at the time it seemed like forever. Then out came JYD to a huge pop. The referee let JYD be Hillbilly's partner, and that was it. In the end, uh, the dog and Hillbilly Jim tag team won, and the crowd went hope happy, myself included. Well, anyway, just thought that might be something to kick off a show. Yeah, that's all Hogan's boys right there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And uh, let's see. Well, anyway, just thought that might be something to kick off a show. First pro wrestling show attended. That is a great idea for a show, except Jay's and I's, I think, are the same show. Yep, it is. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've talked about it. It was pretty. Yeah. It, was a, it was a damn fucking good show. But yeah. and mine, mine, had Vir- uh, mine had Virgil as the as the main event, so not worth going into. Yeah. Well, I can honestly was tell that, you this. I mean, we, what, we can was that, May- was that Mayapak High School? Yes, Mayapak High School. Yes. That was uh, Jimmy Snuka versus Glenn Osborne when um, – when Jimmy Snuka, like, we, we, we saw, I mean, we saw Cheetah Master. We saw um, Simon, uh, Diamond. Simon Diamond. He wasn't called Simon Diamond at the time. He was called Lance Diamond. Diamond. I mean, we go, do a moonsault. That's next. That's next. Awesome. You know. Main event was Bam Bam, Bam, Bam Bigelow, Bigelow versus, Doink. Versus, versus Doink. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, um, so Robert finishes up. One last thing. Don't go messing with the country boy, with the country boy, with the country boy. No, I'll just stop there. He says, uh, be careful of the black scorpion sign, Robert Ludwig, Nevada, Iowa. <laughs> I tried. That I damn tried. black scorpion. He is still out there. He's coming. <laughs> Sting. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. You know what would be no. great? I mean, I'll be honest with you, right? You know, like, like it's all like. WE's got their whole you know, all women's pay per view coming up and like, you know, all this other stuff. Wouldn't it be awesome? Like I and I know they love the conquistadors, they love putting guys in the mess as a joke. Could you imagine just guy comes out and and they did the black scorpion angle right now? Like like and like I'm I'm not kidding. Like for real, did the black scorpion angle, people are like, just I'm coming, Roman Reigns, because it's gotta be Roman Reigns, because he's the only guy, you know, Vince loves. 
Um, and he doesn't give a fuck if you like him or not. He's fucking over. Oh, my God. Right? I don't know why Vince sounds like that. Um, she's like this. <laughs> I was going to say, no, wow. It's okay, Vince. That's... It's Vince. She's like this. Listen, Roman Reigns is the man. You know, kind of thing. Right? I mean, as it is, he's got, a, he's got Bobby Lashley. He's like, look at Bobby Lashley. He's so vascular. You know, um, so, uh, <laughs> look, can you imagine him doing that? All right, and be like, okay, well, who the fuck is this? Gonna be like, whatever. And it's Dean Ambrose. <laughs> perfect. That'd be great. Perfect. Right. I was gonna but say, I don't know. In, in WWF, if they have somebody called the Black Scorpion, wouldn't it be like, um, I don't know, like Xavier Woods or Big E or? No, you but know. they know it's called the Black Scorpion. Just do the Black Scorpion angle. No, right? I'm just saying, if they call a him ma- Black Scorpion, he'd be black. I think yeah. in, in WWE, I think we could all safely assume that, right? Right. But yeah, yes, no, have it be Dean Ambrose, which which is, again, one more time saying, well, we really backed the wrong member of the Shield, didn't we? But, Dude, it's uh, amazing how much they have, what do you call, how much they really, how how over Seth Rollins is and how, I mean, I mean, Dean Ambrose is, I mean, Seth Rollins, like, I don't think people, I mean, who gets a bigger pop than Seth Rollins nowadays is crazy, right? But with Dean Ambrose, when he's healthy, he's super over. And yeah. here's a guy who, let's be honest. Dean Ambrose is not exactly like a technical wizard in the ring and, you know, but he's, but they like him. And I mean, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be out because he's been out. It seems like forever, but yeah. the problem becomes when you think about that, they back Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns is their guy. And I, I, I you got to admit he's, he's Samoan, which is kind of, you know, an easy play for Vince. He does love his Samoans. He's actually part of the Samoan, you know, actual family and heritage, right? You know, he's a big dude. He should be over like, in 1987, he should have been no, but, a monster over, but he just, no, but he they they he could have been over. I just I you know we well, we've they, gone on about yeah. the 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 issues with this. I still think they had an opportunity to do it, and then of they course. screwed the pooch. But yeah, yeah, I mean they did know. what you call it. that's the problem. They 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 screwed up the opportunity. Now, in all fairness, right? Um, as we said, and in, in, in the in episode zero. When you send out the wrong Samoan named Joe, and I, right. I still love that. I'm like, well, the wrong Samoan named Joe still came out. I was like, oh, well, that's true, you know, because the Haley said um, the, today, if the SmackDown's coming on, because Joe is getting a shot at at, uh, at um, AJ Styles. She goes, right. Well, it's 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 the summertime, so yes. Samoa Joe gets his annual number one contendership every right, summer. Right. And and they still won't let him win it. So, no. uh, but it's so funny is because Haley's like, oh, look. The right Samoan named Joe is getting a shot too. <laughs> and what happened is that Bobby, I mean, Bobby Lashley, again, he looks like a million bucks. He is so poor on his interview. And I'm like, man, oh, Bobby's But you know do. what? But you know what, though? When he was in TNA, they, they, they used that to their advantage. I agree. They had yeah. him do like the press conferences and stuff where yeah. he's like, I don't want to say anything. He did, you know, it's like, why can't you, you know, hey, you, you got no problem ripping off TNA when it comes to Matt Hardy. You know, well, I, I have a feeling that that uh, I mean, because, again, we've seen this stuff with the, the GNN. They worked a deal with GNN, but they've been talking about TNA a lot. And I know TNA doesn't exist anymore. Now it's called Impact. And I know Anthem says that, no, they don't own the they don't own the gimmicks. The wrestlers own the gimmicks and stuff like that. But it's been funny when you see this, like they talked a lot about like AJ Styles talks about TNA. They talk about Dixie Carter. I mean, they, all these things are it, it really seems like WWE instead of buying impact because they put the, they, they tried to buy impact and then Anthem didn't outbid them, but they just didn't want to sell it to WWE. They yeah. basically got exactly what they want, right? It's a company that they don't have to worry about pay for or anything. 
and they just go and handpick guys they want out of there. EC3 right. is EC3. I mean, it's not even they didn't even change his name. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess he came back and he was like, "Hey, I'm Derek Bateman." Like, who's Derek <laughs> Bateman? The guy you fired. This is what I don't get. Right? He'd have to grow his hair back out yes. to be Derek Bateman. Right. That's That'd what I'm the... Yeah, <laughs> but like, and, and he'd have to not put all the bronzer on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is what I don't get. You don't just stop putting on bronzer. Yeah, right. Oh, no, man. <laughs> you got to keep that tan up. Yeah, but this is what I don't get. WWE, because Brian Cage, you all, you all know who Brian Cage, the Swolverine. We all know who Brian Cage is, right? <laughs> Brian Cage, who is the monster of Lucha, Lucha Underground. He's the monster of TNA. He's a monster everywhere he goes. The supermarket, whatever. He's the monster, whatever he is, right? <laughs> the guy is insanely jacked. He's, he's stacked to the gills, right? And he's got a much better move set than certain guys on top of certain rosters who keep getting shots with a chest protector on. Um, <laughs> but WWE said, we have no use for you. And they let him go. A while, I mean, a while ago, but they let him go. And I'm like, who? he's always been big. Who said they didn't have a use for him? Who said this guy? Like, why would you let this guy go? Even if you didn't think that his wrestling skill was there, he's exactly what Vince McMahon loves. Now, the problem is, that's not exactly what Triple H loves down in NXT. But when you look at him, like, that's a guy you're like, how is this guy not wrestling in the WWE? He is right. built for this place. Now, he might be a little short technically compared to, like, a guy like Braun Strowman or Lars Sullivan or whatever, but he's a, he's huge. I mean, he's as big as Lashley because Lashley and him teamed up at the very end of Lashley's run there when they were, yeah. like, tag champions and didn't tag each other. It was fun, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm derailing the whole thing. Okay, so we should probably get to what we're here tonight to talk about. So what are we here to talk about? Because we haven't told anybody, and nobody yeah. looks at episode art. I don't know. I mean, nah. I mean they we're, do. we're only an hour in. Um, so... <laughs> I think it's a good time. So, okay. So, uh, about, so back right around Father's Day, WWE rolled into Chicago to have a really bad pay-per-view called Money in the Bank, right? Yeah. And NXT came along for some reason to have at one of their takeover pay-per-views that are on the network, right? So... We were treated to an extra, because usually we only get it at WrestleMania and SummerSlam or whatever. But for some reason, at Money in the Bank, they decided to have NXT Chicago 2, which is now, which I think is the 10th NXT TakeOver actual event, like by way of like the, the pay-per-view was on there. Um, so we watched, I mean, it was a rare occasion that, I mean, I mean, I got to watch it, but Luke got to see it, right? I think he watched it when it happened, didn't yep. you? I watched and, it as it happened. I normally don't get to watch the pay-per-views, but my family was out of town. Right. Yay! And I think, Chris, <laughs> you watched it instead of the Money in the Bank, if I remember correctly, originally, which would be a smart I, Yeah, I didn't. I, I watched Money in the Bank. Uh, I think I, no, I think I watched it live, but I think I watched this one live, too. Did you? <laughs> so, okay. Well, I yeah. know, because it was a Saturday night. I figured you might have watched it. Was, it no, it was a Saturday night. Yeah, I remember. I was with Maureen and... You know, we we had been watching NXT for the last couple of weeks, so uh, we were both okay, we were cool. both invested. Okay, I didn't I didn't know that. Okay, but so great, so we're okay. So we watched this live, and I said we should do an episode on this. Yep. And then you're saying is, but Jay, it's now a long time since then. Here's why. And I, people are like, well, but a lot of people have talked about this. But if we did an episode right after it happened, you're all amped up. Oh my God, it's amazing. Like, I wanted to let it settle 
because there are other NXT events, and, and I have not seen a bad TakeOver event ever. There are some matches that are not as good as others. Um, the one for WrestleMania led off with the ladder match, which is still insane. The, for the U.S. I mean, U.S. the uh, United, well, the North American title, they call it, right? So we had to let this kind of settle with us, kind of digest it, kind of take it in, and then rewatch it. Because a show that wows you the first time, when you watch it the second time, it might not wow you as much. All right? And so so you're thinking, like, well, you, why'd you guys wait? So I'm being honest. When I watch this again, I think this is the... This is the third or fourth time I watched this show, okay? When I watched it the last time, it still got me, like, oh, like you're still pumped up for this show, right? So, yeah. um, it, I mean, I mean, is that on point, guys? Does that sound about, like, yeah. you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's mm -hmm. amazing how NXT, in a grand total of, what, five matches, managed to pull out a show that will still, I mean, it's only, I mean, if you said to me, well, I watched Royal Rumble 92 and it's great. Well, the num Rumble 92 is, you know, that's Ric Flair winning the title. That is a great Royal Rumble, right? But if you think about it, that Rumble has been over the years. It's what do you call kind of thing. Like it's, it's built this up. This NXT show, every one of them is great. I loved every one of them so far. Any, every takeover has been, you know, outstanding. This one just seemed to be next level on what they were able to put out there. So um, just want to preface it with that, that we, we definitely, we all saw it live. And when you watch it again, you're like, boy, like, I'm expecting, like, maybe this is going to be flat. Maybe this won't be as good. It is. It is just that good. So, um, like I said, it is uh, June 16th, 2018. Um, there's no Mauro Ronello for this. He is actually uh, for sh working for Showtime for this show, um, doing their boxing. And I don't want to be negative because I actually love Mauro Ronello. But I think him being absent helped this show. The guy they got was the guy from 205 Live. He's yeah. not great, but what he doesn't do is yell. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't like Moro yells kind of. The guy from 205 Live doesn't yell, so every time Percy Percy uh not Percy Hall, Graves Percy no, no. Jackson Percy, Percy Jackson. Jackson every time every <laughs> time Percy Jackson. Pops. Percy, it's Percy Watson. Percy Watson. Jackson is the star of the Percy Jackson Chronicles books okay. uh, by Rick All Riordan. Right. All right, <laughs> but, but every time Percy Watson goes, oh my god! Like every time he pops, as the color guy popping, it actually it actually accentuates the match more than when Ro when when Ronello is popping all throughout or giving. And and I love Morrow, but it's like, but he just it's sometimes too much. In a in in the two and a half hour format or two hour format, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So well, the thing the thing as far as the the crew work in this show that really impressed me, you know, I I'm a big fan of Nigel McGuinness. Going back to him working back in Ring of Honor, and then he worked some in TNA, and then he was back as a in a similar. He was the authority figure in ROH and Ring of Honor for quite a while before he came over here. And I don't know if it's just his accent. I don't know if it's just because he's such an old school guy. But he brings such sincerity right. and realism to what he says because he, he, when he says it, you know, he sounds like he's calling like a soccer match or a rugby match. He sounds like an actual sportscaster, you know. Yeah. And the fact that he's a guy that you know was uh, worked for so long <laughs> in the business and was a, you know, 
you know, if, if you're watching NXT, you know who Nigel McGuinness is and you know all his background and all that. And they make reference to that of him working with a few guys actually on the card that, you know, OK, yeah, he's been through his wars in, in Ring of Honor and all that. So I really liked having Nigel McGuinness on uh, on the card as one of the commentators. I thought that helped a lot. At well, least he, it did for me. Does, he does the NXT stuff. I mean, like, that's where right. he is now. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, one of the things they've talked about is that their concern with Nigel ever coming up to the main, like to, to SmackDown or Raw as a commentator, um, is the British accent. Like they're worried about, like, well, maybe that will alienate certain people. Yeah. And I think, no, I don't think it will. But that has been one of the knocks. And I think the problem becomes this: is that they're so worried on Raw and SmackDown about everything being so broad and so for everyone that they sometimes forget the fact that it's you're alienating people like by making it so like, okay, they're like, it's just seems more generic. And yet at TNA and TNA at, um, and NXT, they have you, everything's unique, right? There's uniqueness about them. I mean, even TNA, TNA, I mean, Taz, Taz was a commentator in WWE. Taz went to TNA and they made, he just called, he called whatever, but he was unique. What made him unique is that Taz, you know, he sounds like some guy from Brooklyn talking, you know, kind of thing. But he's unique. <laughs> what well, he is, but I'm saying, but he's it's just unique to what it is. The voices are not unique. I mean, for Christ's sake, Corey Graves, who I love, is on both shows. Yeah. So it I think that just because Corey Graves used to be the NXT, the voice of NXT as well. And I, I liked him on the main roster, but I'm saying is to me, with with, with Percy and Nigel, even with Morrow's there, Percy and Nigel add so much they're so different than each other. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, because it's just funny when you hear a person like, well, and you talk like, it's just funny. You're like, man, that guy used to be a tag team with Titus O'Neil, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like, and now, you know, he's like, you know, kind of thing. So, but yeah, Luke, you're right. I mean, I, Nigel McGuinness, the shame of the, the shame of it is that Nigel, um, you know, he said he, that he, that in TNA, when he was Desmond Wolf, he actually found out he was never going to wrestle again. Um, because if Nigel McGuinness had ever been able, if he had been able to keep wrestling, he might. I mean, I know that Vince doesn't always love the guy. He wants guys to be tough. He can do a promo. He's British. His heel work in TNA and his heel work in ROH, man, he would have been a great champion on like SmackDown. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, where a guy's actually wrestling that does not have a rubber ring. So, anyway, so we probably should jump into the show here. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Our first match, match number one, after they do the, well, now, now they, they do do their little vignettes in the front, you know, they're talking about Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and, you know, their, their, their feud and the whole nine of craziness, but we'll get there. So the first match comes to the ring. And of course, the champions have to come out first because who are the champions? You heard it in the opening of this show, folks. Shock the system. The Undisputed Error comes out to, to, the place going ballistic. Now, yeah. yes. as much as I love, uh, uh, you know, Roderick Strong, I know you, Luke's a, Luke is a huge Roderick Strong guy. I love in Roderick Ro Strong, too. In Roderick, we trust. Right. And I do like Kyle O'Reilly. And you know what? And Bobby Fish, I know Bobby Fish is still hurt. And I know some people don't like Bobby Fish. Fish and O'Reilly together, you know, Red Dragon or Redragon, as they were called. For it, they are really good. But God damn, is Adam Cole over? Holy yeah, yeah. crap, is he over? Bay Bay, you know, kind of Bay Bay. <laughs> so, you know, what's what's amazing to me is that you've got these three Ring of Honor guys, yeah. and for years 
we were told Ring of Honor guys never make it to the big time. They never make it to work for Vince. They're going to be working the indies until they die. And here we go. Starting this NXT pay-per-view, you got three of the most over guys on the roster, and they're all Ring of Honor guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing, and, is- it, and it's not, and and they wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh yeah, these guys all worked someplace else. They don't come out and say it. Oh no, not so we all know says that's. It. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. But they, they, you know, but that's you know, oh, it, right, it's, yeah. it's plain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nigel flat out says these, you know, these are former ROH champions here. All these men were former champions in ROH. All these men's uh, men have been decorated around the world. They've been in Japan. Like they don't. That's the great thing about NXT. They don't hold back about telling you the truth about like well, quote unquote truth, right? They'll flat out say, "Hey, you know, Tommaso, you know, Johnny Gargano used to wrestle in CZW, right?" They will say uh, Tommaso Ciampa came from ROH. Like they don't have a problem saying that stuff. They I mean they they want to make it look as legitimate as possible, and that's what the indies do. I mean, you know. ROH recognizes, you know, you know, Full Impact Pro and, you know, New Japan. Like, they recognize whatever. It's the same thing. If you recognize the other companies, like Gorilla Pro Wrestling or whatever, if you recognize that it's there, you're, you're lending credence to what they did before. Like, the problem was, like, when Sting, when WCW ended, WWE brought him back for the, for the one WrestleMania as if he spent 12 years doing nothing or 10 years doing nothing. He was wrestling right. in TNA. Right. Like yeah. he's been their champion. Like, don't not put it over. But oh, no, I don't know what he's been doing. And JBL is the one who goes, it's not like he's not been wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so but I think right there that them coming out and the reaction they got, I think 100 percent tells me why the all in pay-per-view had to be in Chicago. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the all in pay-per-view, I mean, I mean, it's, it's Cody and the it's all the boys, right? It's the boys. Do it for the boys, right? Could that reaction have not told you exactly why this had to be done in Chicago? Because those yeah. fans, you know those same people are going to All In. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of them are. So, maybe, maybe, not, maybe not the lady wearing the, uh, the, uh, the, what do you call it? There was a lady wearing um, the Ro- Roman Reigns shirt. I think she didn't know where she was. But well, uh, she might have gotten tickets for the whole weekend. You know? Yeah, she's like, I got the whole package! So <laughs> I um, she did. Yeah. So and yeah. Hey Yeah. So of course, right, so you have you have uh Strong and you have O'Reilly. Now, now of course Fish is normally O'Reilly's partner. Fish is still out with the with the, the knee. And Strong and O'Reilly have not been a tag team as long as obviously Fish and, and O'Reilly have. But Roderick Strong is a tag team specialist. Yeah. I mean we're gonna, let's let's call a spade a spade. He is a tag team specialist. He has teamed with I want to say like Austin Aries, Jack Evans, like the name, you go down the list. The guy, he's been their tag team partners at some time because of all the different, the no, he was part of the no remorse core. He was part of whatever he did it all. He's yeah. wrestled as a top face as a top heel. Roderick strong is a great hand. You know what I'm saying? And he, and he fits well in there. Um, the, the, uh, when, when Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Okay. So Orny Lorcan and Danny Birch are um, again. They wrestled in the Indies and stuff for years. When they never when they because I've known about them for a long time as uh, oh it's Martin Stone and I forgot the other guy's name. Um, but when they were that, I always said, man, I would love to see the two of them wrestle each other. Yeah. And then they both. So get that's signed. exactly what they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, when you watch those matches, they are great matches. The two of them together, like they are just whooping the crap out of each other. And you could see the fans kind of like, 
kind of don't want them wrestling each other. It, they make a really good team. And to be honest, they make a great team. But you now have a match, four guys uh, who are considerably smaller than uh, what normal WWE superstars look like, all wearing black tights and black boots. All wearing, yeah, black trunks <laughs> and black boots in a, in a black ring. It's like, yes. ladies and gentlemen, every Ring of Honor show ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying that as a huge yeah. Ring of Honor fan. Right. Please understand that. But, but except <laughs> that the, the runner is, re- is not red, it's gold. Or, you know, yeah, so. Yeah. But. And there's an LED board on the, on the thing, too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, so, yeah. So, first match, Undisputed Era versus Lorcan and Birch. And and this, you know, um, we, we've talked about this a lot, um, both on air and off, about, you know, the idea that your opening match needs to get the crowd hyped and get the crowd going. And holy crap, this match. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. And it never stops. And it's your typical modernist tag match that we're not relying on somebody playing Ricky Morton in the hot tag to be the one spot in the match. They're, they're constantly changing the, uh, the matchups. They're constantly changing who's on top, who's, who's getting, who's coming back, who's in the ring, who's out of the ring. So it, it just, and it moves at such a quick pace and there, there's very little downtime in this match. And it's, it's the, the psychology of it is very strong as far as there's there's a there's a number of times where like for instance Roderick Strong is the legal man and him and Kyle O'Reilly are both in the ring working over one of their opponents and then they will both walk towards the corner so that O'Reilly can get out to make the tag. Yep. And it's like well, okay, well, you need it. You can't just switch. This is Japan. Right. You can't just switch and have the ref say it's okay. Right. So that there's, there's there's four guys here really dedicated to doing a hot opening tag match. Yeah. That's exactly what they deliver. One of the things I, I noted here, um, it says uh, what is, uh, uh, Lorcan and Birch are not the tag team specialists. That would be the undisputed era they are. So uh, well, well, Lorcan uh, and Birch, their double team moves don't look like the double team moves that are coming from the undisputed era look much more rehearsed and like not rehearsed but like at fluid they look like they do it all the time right yeah refined but birch and lorkin's double team moves are more impactful theirs are the yeah. big moves i mean they they they're, they're gonna they're gonna try and use like the road warrior you know kind of doomsday device to get it i mean they are gonna go and hit you with everything they got because they are not the tag team specialist they are the we're gonna just kick your ass and that, but but they wrestle like two single wrestlers who are working together to kick everyone's ass. And I think it was great. They showed a lot of that in the match. You saw a lot of times when um, you know uh, O'Reilly they made the tag. He cut he cut off Lorkin, or they would go you know bring one in to get the double team on. It was all that double team back and forth stuff that was so great from what the the, the you know the undisputed era can do as a quote unquote regular tag team where uh, Birch and Lorkin are looking at, like, okay, we're two guys who are put together, and while we are a tag team, we are not going to do that stuff. They aren't doing the same thing. That's one of the biggest complaints I think people have when you watch these kind of indie matches. When you have two teams trying to do the exact same thing, it's right. boring. Two teams doing the same thing is boring. Yeah. This this match was never boring. Never. No. <laughs> uh, although, I got to admit, some of the, some of the spots, like – you just, my body hurts watching them. Lorcan and Birch <laughs> just fucking hit them so hard. So, um, 
Yeah. It just was what he called the 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 um the double I thought the double submission spot was outstanding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but so then true. O'Reilly rolls onto his back and starts kicking him in the face yeah. to break. Yeah. Well, you know, that this match, um I'll I'll readily admit to there are certain things that I nerd out over. I am that guy that will always applaud a rope break. Yeah. If you're in a submission and you yeah. get to the ropes, I applaud that every time. Call me a wrestling nerd for that, if you will. There's a couple that are really nice. When he's in the arm breaker, right? And he's when he's uh, you know Birch has got him uh, in the or does Kyle Riley has Birch in the arm in the in the in the uh, uh, the arm with the arm the arm lock. He's trying to break his arm, right. and he's fighting over to it. That I mean that's just pure drama, you know. That right. that's uh, in in Puruesa, they call that fighting spirit. Right. And that's why that's such a big spot in Japan to break a submission with the rope, you know, so they, they definitely channel that here. Also, one of my notes, Roderick Strong has the best damn standing dropkick in the business. Yes. Yes. I he mean, gets he so gets height. so friggin' high on that <laughs> dropkick. And I've been watching him do it for years. It's yeah. like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, besides being the Messiah, the backbreaker. Um, because he is, the which he's not allowed to do anymore. Yes. Oh, no. Uh, well, he does. He does sneak a backbreaker in here and there, but he yeah. doesn't do nearly the backbreakers he used to do. Um, he always was the guy he could always get up off the mat quick. Like he, he has quick, he's the ability cause he's not a tall guy. So, but he's able to get, he's able to generate a lot of, of, um, thrust directly straight in the air. He's able to like, hang in the air and do all that drop kick. So, um, mm-hmm. But I thought the, what do you call it, you know, after the double submission and stuff, and it goes into the, the brawl with the brutal knees. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> knees in this. And the kicks in the knees are just so stiff. But it's not like overkill with them. You know what right. I'm saying? They're, they're there, and it makes sense. And then I loved their version of the total elimination. Yes. I was like, when they hit it, I'm like, I'm like all Nigel, like, if Nigel yelled, total elimination, that would have been so <laughs> great. Um, well, because, Nigel, I think had the had the move call of the night yeah. with the Doomsday uppercut. Yes, the where they do the Doomsday device into the European uppercut. Doomsday yeah. uppercut. I'm like, that's freaking brilliant. Yes, Doomsday uppercut. Well, I the love first it. time they went for it's when they got you know it got taken apart and they didn't get yeah. it, and then they got it to later. <laughs> and you look at that, you're like, that could totally end this match, especially in Chicago. And it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> but I think I think they did the right thing. I mean, obviously having the undisputed error retain. Um, is the smart move here. It definitely was the, um, as much as they are not supposed to be the faces, they got the face, you know, they're getting the face <laughs> cheers. And that's not to say people were booing Lorcan and Birch. I think no. that's the crazy part about it. Lorcan and Birch are clearly the faces here. The Undisputed Era are clearly the, the, the heels, but they're the super cool heels. The yeah. Undisputed Era, I mean, let's be honest, it's 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 Adam Cole. I mean, what is the Undisputed hey, Era? You know, I mean, the Undisputed Era is kind of just doing Bullet Club. I'm just saying. You know, kind yeah. of thing. I mean, they're trying to do Bullet Club up on Raw with the Balor Club, but that didn't work. Then they tried to do the club with AJ and, uh, you know, Gallows and Anderson. And then they were like, huh, Gallows and Anderson, how about you guys lose every single match ever? Yeah. And we won't even mention you anymore. Right. But here they're doing for their version of like, like the Bullet Club or like Bullet Club, but it's not the same as Bullet Club. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly the same because Bullet Club is, is just different but it's very right. it's it's like the nxt version of things so but uh two things real quick first off adam cole had my favorite line of the night when adam cole baby breaks up the pinning combination yes 
Uh, and the ref throws him out. You hear him yell, I didn't do anything! <laughs> Which is like, it's just the, like, you expect an ad like, shut up, you know, butthead, you leave me alone. <laughs> so so that, uh, that was fantastic. And uh, the other the other note I have here, a, a couple of times in this match, Kyle O'Reilly goes for the guillotine choke. Yes. Yeah. And I have to ask the question once again, when did chokes become legal in professional wrestling? Right. It, mm-hmm. You know, I need the answers to these questions. It's like, why doesn't the ref count him? He's choking him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Any listeners out there have a good answer? Send it in because yeah. I've yet to be satisfied with that. When or if you have the NXT rulebook in front of you, please scan it and <laughs> yeah. send it to us. Well, I just want to also throw out there too, and I know some people may not remember this, but Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly were a tag team, a very successful tag team for a very long time. And then what happened, of course, is after they broke up, was when the American Wolves had broken up, and um, they had done where they teamed up one, one wolf and one of them together. We actually, I was, is that a pay-per-view? I think it might have been a pay-per-view. John and I saw it. We were down in the city. Um, we saw it down at uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom um, or the Manhattan Center. Excuse me. It was the Manhattan Center. We were upstairs. Uh, no, it was the Hammer. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. It was, no, it was, the, it was the Hammerstein Ballroom. It was the, we were downstairs. Um, and when you watch them, to see where they are now, to watching those two young kids, like I'm looking at these two young kids going, man, they're now in the roles that were uh, Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards of the, you know, the, the American Wolves. It's so funny that they, they used to be the young kids who were kind of just there and they did their thing and they were brutal to each other. And now they've taken over that role, you know, which is such a great thing to see, um, you know, going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, talk about open hot. Man, this, I, don't, I don't think you can open it. I don't think you could pick a better match to open the show with. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, it's open super hot. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. So after that, our second match. Um, good Lord. Uh, in, in <laughs> any, if you can think like you're like, well, we opened hot. And you're like, well, how could they, uh, that, that other match might be. It is uh, Ricochet taking on the Velveteen Dream. Ooh. Now, I'm just going to say this about Velveteen Dream. Right. Um, there's some funny stuff about his his outfit for today. Velveteen Dream. I remember when he was just a loser on uh, Tough Enough or whatever show that was right back in the Tough Enough. Right. He was just one of those guys who lost. He has really turned himself into something else. Yeah, when you think? No, no. But I'm saying no, no. Wait, physically, his body. That's what I'm saying. He yeah. has thinned himself out. He looks amazing. His gimmick is outstanding. And when he came out. Wearing now, he's he coming out. He's doing the the, the his, his Hulkamania, right? He's doing the Velveteen Dream Mania, right? Dream Mania. The tights he's wearing, those are Prince Puma's tights. Who's Prince Puma? Hmm. Who could that be from Lucha Underground? Mm-hmm. Who could that be? Huh. Wonder. So Ricochet is also in this match, but yes, yeah, he's wearing Prince Puma's tights. And when he came out, I looked at, him, I'm like. Those Prince Puma's tights. Like I'm looking at it, it's going, oh my god, they are. And Kelly's like, what's the matter? And I went online. I looked at Prince Puma. He's wearing. Now I don't know if Ricochet gave him the tights, or if uh, you know he had his own made because they did. When Ricochet wore them, they definitely were not stretched out as much, and he's a much taller gentleman than Ricochet. Um, but those are those are Prince Puma's tights, and I, I guarantee you, some people got the reference, yeah, and most people did not. 
But you know what, though? If this was like in the Jim Crockett days, that would have been the storyline for yes. the match. Would have yes. been Velveteen stealing his tights. He stole his tights. He's wearing he his tights. He's out here wearing his tights. It's the ultimate sign of disrespect. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, the I'm just saying, it just was crazy. Like the, the, the Velveteen Dream doing Hogan, you know, Dream Mania. Like it just, oh, it was just something else to watch that. Like it was so exactly like it just the crowd loved it. I mean, I can't imagine the crowd being any more into what he was doing. The, of the, course, as the heel, right? Because he's the heel, and who could be more into this? And then what happens? Then Ricochet comes out, and you're like, well, yeah. if you thought a pop was big, we just had. You know, kind of things. Well, and, mean, the, and the thing about Velveteen is that he's not, he's doing Hogan, but then he goes out and he does Hogan. a bunch of Randy Savage yes. mannerisms, yes, too. Yes, he yes. spins around, he climbs up. It's like, it's like the the dream is all over the place here, yeah. and and they're eating it up because yeah. he's he's got like you know just he's got such a uh, with apologies to Lex Luger he's got the total package yes, out here he's yes. got the looks he's got the character the work rate I mean both of these good putting these guys on it's like cheese and rice and and the thing about this match is that you know we had just such a hot fast paced tag match this match actually watching it now started out a little. On the what we'd call, he's not slow. He's methodical. Right. It started right. out at a very deliberate pace, and then just got another one. Just builds and builds and yep. builds. It's just sequence after sequence after sequence, and it's not just spots. It's no, stuff yeah. that makes sense. And you get to the point where we're getting into the later stages of this match, and it's like, how the hell are these guys still standing? Right. You know, because it's not. Oh well, you know, I, I was under and got hit with a bunch of stuff, and I came back, and suddenly I'm I'm fresh as a daisy. Yeah. You know, the, the psychology that, again, these two guys work is very strong in the, in this matchup. But you know, the funny part is, too, um, because, I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be blatantly honest. Um, no one can fly like Ricochet. No one no, in the business can fly like him. I mean, I know people, you know, will say, oh, Will Ospreay, and I like Will Ospreay, um, his ability to move around. But Will Ospreay also doesn't make things look as real as Ricochet does. Ricochet does things that no one else can do. No one can fly like him. So when you go into a match, you're like, oh, man, like Rick, Velveteen Dream for a guy who, I mean, he, he can fly around some, but their styles are so complementary to each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the, I mean, there's the spots. I mean, the, the, the suplex. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, Dude, like, it's like you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, and they did it. And they did right it. to the floor. And oh. not, not like, oh, through a table where it's going to bring and again, a table, you like, break your fall. That's straight to the floor. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I I said, some of the bumps of this were pretty damn yeah. good. Well, what oh, I'm saying is, man. like, you wind up feeling, like, I wind up hurting. Like, I'm watching the match go, God, my back is killing me watching <laughs> these guys, you know. Um, I mean, the suplex to the floor is just, what I mean, this was crazy. Um, uh, of course, the, the shooting star press onto the knees. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh, because the knees are there last second. Yeah, and that was and great. then you know, and then of course, the what do you call off the top rope? The uh, Death Valley bomb. The yeah. Death Valley. Oh my god! I'm like, come on, come and then, on! And, but then even the second Death Valley bomb. Yeah. The one that is when they're both, you know, they're they're Rocky two in it in the center of the ring. Yeah. And and he ducks down, hit. I mean, that is just like a picture perfect. Yeah. Death Valley. Yeah. I mean, he. I mean, Velveteen is like completely. Uh, 180 degrees upside down when yes. the impact occurs. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, yeah. it's just insane. Right. And they've been working at that point for 20 solid minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he throws this perfect Death Valley yeah. bomb. 
the know. thing is, if, if they had had a five minute match, he was like, okay, whatever, it's spot fest. There are tons of spots in here that are outstanding. The, but at 20 minutes, at, you know, when you're 15 minutes in, you're exhausted. It is yeah. hard to do the stuff they're doing when you're fresh. Yeah. <laughs> God. I certainly couldn't do any of it. No. Well, no. Yeah. Just yeah. But I'm just. I think. I think Chris. I think all three of us can safely say we are not going to be filling in for Ricochet or Velveteen no. Dream. No. No. We <laughs> would not be high flyers. No. <laughs> no. So. But I. But you know what the crazy part is too. When you think about Ricochet, people think about like, well, he's a flip flop and fly guy. He's he's a dive. Dive. Yeah. You know, kind of that stuff. He's not. He wrestles. His matches make sense. They flow. Like everything works when you're, you know, when he's trying to do, like it makes sense. There are no, like, it's not just spot fest, spot fest, spot fest. It's like, you know, it just works well. And I think that also has to do with Velveteen Dream as well. Now, if anybody had seen, I don't know if you guys saw it, the the UK tournament they just ran, the main I event there. I watched it. <laughs> oh, I watched it live. So. All right. Sorry. Um, the, the thing is this: when you when you see um, the, the 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 tag match that they are promoting was uh, Velveteen Dream and EC3 taking on Ricochet and Aleister Black. I mean, that's you know a lot of talent right there. You know what I'm saying? So what happens now is when you look at that, when you look at those different styles together, you're like, well, those things should clash. Like they don't work well, but they all work well together because Velveteen Dream has enough talent to work with a guy like Ricochet and he can work with a guy like Aleister Black, very different styles. EC3, I think as much as people would love to believe that EC3, you know, oh, we hate TNA and all that stuff, right? The idea being is that there is EC3 works well with both of them. Like it's, it's amazing how well these guys can work together, especially since they haven't worked together that long. You know what I'm saying? Like if you said to me, oh, I'm watching Steamboat and Flair and they wrestled every single night, you know, for like you know, two straight years, but these guys don't wrestle each other that often, you know. And now you're like, okay, well, look at them go. So, anyway, the the there are definitely points in this match when um, the the sanity of what you're doing comes into call. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's you know, you're just like, okay. I mean, the 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 uh, the, the purple rainmaker elbow. Yes. Oh, from coast God. to coast. Yeah. Yeah, the coast to coast, and he yeah. and it was a blind. I mean, yeah. he missed. Yeah. Well, hey, and and I love how Nigel calls it. He goes, "Well, it's a blind move because you have to leap when he's there, and you have to trust he's going to be there." And then you're coming down, and it's and he and he you know comes crashing in. And you're like, "Oh boy!" Like it's just, you know, hey, I I put this way for a guy, Velveteen Dream, for a guy who could very easily be laughed at by way of his gimmick. People could be like, "This, what is this crap, right? He takes his, everything he does seriously. He puts it over as much as what he calls. I mean, again, I mean, he, he, you know, it's not like, I mean, it's not like what he called, you know, like everything's real, like, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. he, he takes his gimmick seriously. The whole thing about like, you know, when Ricochet's like, I remember you just being some loser on, on that. I, the dream does not remember that. Like he talks yeah. in the third person, he yeah. does everything. Now, the one thing I got to say is he talks about the third eye with the thing on there. Um, so Matt Seidel has been doing that gimmick for a while. (laughs) He does the same thing. And Matt Seidel was doing it before Velveteen Dream was around. Um, but they do it differently. So you're not like, oh my God, he's just ripping it off. Like Matt Seidel is all about being like a spiritual guru and all where to open your third eye. And 
Velvet Dream Dream talks about his third eye as the ability for him to see, you know, what it needs. To, I'm like, okay, like he's doing it differently, at least, yeah. you know, so. Well, but, and the thing I liked about this is that I don't watch NXT regularly. I just don't have the opportunity to do it. But I'm familiar with, like, the kind of the character that Velveteen is presented as. And then here, at again, at about the 18-minute mark, yeah. you, you can see him break down, and he starts, he starts just bad-mouthing Ricochet. And, yeah. again, WWE has the best production uh, uh, house in, in the world as far as producing right. wrestling television. So they, you hear every word he says, and they tell Nigel and company, hey, be quiet for a second, you know. And, and he lays the bad mouth on Ricochet, and I really like what he said. He goes, you belong in a bingo hall. Yeah. It's hot dogs and handshakes for you. Right. And it's like, first off, ouch. Yeah. Secondly, again, for the NXT audience, you saying it's hot dogs and handshakes, you know exactly what that means. Yeah, That's not some random thing. That's a legit thing. It's like, oh, you just, you know, yeah, you, you beat the living shit out of yourself, and uh, here's, uh, I can't afford to pay you, but all the hot dogs you can eat, you know. Right. That's a real thing. You know, yeah. that's real life. So, for, you know, and again, I, I don't know how well that was heard in the live show, but for the home audience, yeah. I mean, that to me is like, and again, from someone who's usually detached and cool, like the Velveteen Dream, right. to lose his temper like that, I thought that was a really well-done psychology spot in the, you know, the late stages of the match. Well, I also liked what Velveteen Dream said, that Ricochet, you were the king. The king means you're old. I'm the <laughs> prince, which is ironic because he's wearing Prince Puma's tights. But I'm right. the prince. Yeah. I'm the up and coming. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, my God, Ricochet. Ricochet's been doing this for a long time, right? Yeah. Velveteen Dream is the new young guy. Like, it's so – it's it's because, remember, bad guys don't think that they're they're bad. Or, you know, heels don't think that they're – they're just – they just see things in a different way. Velveteen yeah. Dream doesn't think he's a heel. He just sees things from his own way. The, but his way kind of happens to be a little off, but that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm saying so, typically heels don't see themselves yes. as heel. Like King Kong Bundy, I'm pretty sure, no. yeah. saw himself as a heel. <laughs> generally speaking, I'm willing to agree with that. <laughs> Razor Ramon, I mean, he was the bad guy. He was the bad guy, you know. So. Every time I say King Kong Bundy, I think of Shane Douglas, you know, telling his dad that wrestling wasn't real. Like, but they got this little guy in there against King Kong Bonnie, and it's just not fair. But <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true. So, um, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, no, that's an amazing, just, again, totally different match than mm -hmm. that opening tag match, but just in incredibly intense matchup here. Yeah, and, if you get the chance to check out the, the highlights from this match on YouTube, you should, because any time Ricochet hits that 6.30 senton, it's like, fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, like, it's so fucking impressive. Right, yeah, and it's it unlike anything is. else, you know. The thing is, you don't see that in the main roster. You don't see that every week on SmackDown. You don't see no. that every week on whatever. Like, so when he does it, you're like, oh, like it's just so yeah. yeah. So. And does anyone else of the opinion that if Ricochet ever gets brought up to the main roster, he'll get an Irish gimmick? It's me, Ricochet here. SmackDown Live. Yeah. I mean, always after me, Lucky, lucky Charms. charms. They always after me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> they team him up with Seamus, you know. Uh -huh. Hi there, brother Seamus, me boy. <laughs> you know, and, what and the fuck is wrong with you, man? Yeah. Here's, here's ultimately the problem, and, I, and I'll be really honest here. Is everyone's like, oh, man, they can't wait to bring him up. I so hope they never bring him up. <laughs> yeah. 
he doesn't need to be on the main roster. He like he needs. I mean, and I get it. Like, but again, he's making good money in NXT. He's making far better money than you'd make just being on the road. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons these guys signed these contracts. But like, I would hate to see Ricochet brought up and ruined because they won't yeah. let him do a lot of his stuff. And what'll happen? They'll be like, okay, first week Ricochet uh, Braun gets Braun Strowman. Like, why? <laughs> why? Uh, Ricochet's going under yeah. again. Why? They don't. They don't make sense. The booking that happens up there still to this day does not make a lot of sense because the it overall does not vision... make sense. Yeah, that's I was just thinking that it does not make sense. Yeah, Chewbacca defense. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so as Luke said, the first two matches very very different from each other. The third match on the card is Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross, the women's title match. Uh, no, hey. Here's the problem. Take that match and put it on Sunday. It's the best match on the entire card. Right? <laughs> that's, that's telling, though. No, Here, but, here's, the, here's, here's the thing about this match. There are five matches on this card. This was the only match where I never doubted who was going to win it. Yeah. Shayna Baszler was going to win this match, and there was never any doubt in my mind watching it, both as a mark and then intellectually, that Shayna was not going over. So that, that, I think, hurts this match, because this match has a lot of story going on in it, and it's a showcase for Nikki Cross, you know, Scottish psychopath, but <laughs> there was never a compelling argument that you could say, well, Nikki's going to beat Shayna. How? Yeah, How is she right. going to beat Shayna? Well, but I think, you know, that, yeah, that, I think... that, that, that to me is like, that's the one weakness with this match, and that's why it's the shortest match, and that's why it's the cool-down match between the other two. Yeah big non-Chicago street fight singles matches right. on the well, card. The thing is this, though. With this match, because you never... At no point do you think Shayna's going to lose. This is never going to be Nikki Cross going to win this thing, right? That's. But I think that's what makes this match and why it's so different. I mean, again, every match is so different on the card. Every single match is different. In this match, you never thought Shayna was going to lose, right? Well, in the first match... Man, only Lorcan and, uh, you know, Birch could have won the belts. Right. In the second match, Dream could have won that thing, right? And this one, you're like, oh, this is this this is like, not to say the squash match, but you got to have one of these two because they're they're giving you basically five matches, and they're all completely different than each other. Yeah. So one of them had to be the match where the, the champion who can't possibly lose goes in here and doesn't lose, right? You have to have the no-brainer match in there. Um, and again, like I said, if you took this match and put it on that Sunday card of uh, Money in the Bank, it's the best match on the entire card. Uh, oh, yeah. was, I, I, actually, I don't know about that. I, I but, was bored to tears with this one, honestly. But, but I'm being serious. If you think about think about some of the matches on on uh, on on Money in the Bank, they were painfully boring to watch, like like because they're just so dull. At least in this match, Nikki Cross is doing her insane thing. And whatever, you know, and, you know, Shayna Baylor is you know, like, I'm going to choke the shit out of this bitch, you know, kind of thing, right? Like, that's her entire ma- Like, the thing is this. Shayna Baylor gets more heel heat than anybody on the main roster. And there's only one person that they employ who gets more heel heat than Shayna Baylor. No one's cheering her. Right? I mean, there's a couple people maybe. I mean, I, like, I have her shirt. But I'm saying it's like, but, like, no one's cheering her. She's the heel. She's what they want Brock Lesnar to be. They want her to like. They want Lesnar to show up and people like 
boo, you don't show up all the time. We hate you. And oh, you're a monster. But they're like, yeah, Brock, fuck up Roman Reigns some more because fuck well, Roman. Well, I will you know? I, to give credit where credit is due. They did find a way for people to finally boo Brock, and it was beating up Paul Heyman. Who yes. could have seen that? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, most people want to just like take Paul Heyman and shove the mic where the sun don't shine, but apparently put him in peril and people feel bad for. Him. Yeah, well, they felt bad. They're like, that guy's old, you know, and he's he's got kids. I got kids. I, I got kids. I need this job. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just saying this. Um, uh, it, you know, to me, it's like again. I mean, this match, it, it, there were some good spots in it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Cross doing the uh, the ring apron trap. Yeah. The uh, shades of Fit Finley there. Yes. Um, well, that's who trained her. The back, yeah, that's her trainer. Yeah. The the backdrop on the on the ramp. Yeah. And then uh, Cross does the uh, the back suplex, a beautiful back suplex at one point later on, and all the spots with her laughing while in the chokes and stuff, and yeah. her various. Okay, the way I looked at it, if if I was making Nikki Cross in Fire Pro Wrestling, she'd get a ten in rough. Yes. And rough is not. <laughs> Rough is not necessarily dirty, but rough is rough style attacks where it's like smashing into stuff and, you know, using the ring and using other parts of the of, uh, things available to you. That That's, that's what great. she would get. I Holy mean, I, I almost feel like, I mean, I like Nikki Cross, but I almost feel like she needs a handler. Yes. Like she needs like, you know, like, uh, like remember Kim Chi used yes. to come out with, with Kamala. <laughs> she needs, she needs somebody holding her neck like an attack dog. Well, you know, what's funny is yeah. she was in insanity. She yeah. was the most crazy person in Sanity. Like, that's the whole point. Like, they, they would have Sanity out there. You have, you know, Eric Young, who's, you know, I love Eric Young. And then you have, you know, the other I guys. Right? And then what happens is Nikki Cross is the most insane one of all of them. And that's what it is. It's like, but now there's no balance. There's no, now there is no, you know, Eric Young and, and the crew trying to rip her, you know, pull her out of the ring. Now it's just like, well, fucking go, I guess, you know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> But I think I, I think that gimmick's going to wear thin quickly with Nick. Oh yeah. Um, now what might happen is, to be honest, since Sanity is up, and again, they're not whatever, they might bring Nikki Cross up um, and have Nikki Cross go to the main roster eventually once they have the next batch of girls, uh, women come in, um, because on the main roster, she can be that crazy person as part of Sanity. You know what I'm saying? Like she's the, she's the female member of Sanity who can then wrestle in all those matches and not have to worry about carrying her own storyline. Because I don't think her character is deep enough to carry that stuff. And yeah. I know people think Shayna Baszler's character is not deep, but I'm like, Shayna Baszler is herself. No, but a I, fighter, a fighter character can work. Yeah. No, but and, saying, and, and I but will I say that. In the, I think in that's the, really Shayna Baszler. She's kind of right, like, right. Yeah, and, so. and in, in the promo pieces for this match, they made, they made a lot of hay with that. Yeah. Where Baszler, Baszler was like, didn't want to talk to the cameras. Like, you know, she was dismissive and you know uh you know just just in, disinterested in the whole thing about talking about it and then nikki cross is you know you know a couple of couple of camps short of a six-pack kind of thing right yeah so you know so i they, they made some good some good uh, uh hay out of that and i think it, it was a good matchup like i said it's just and i and again i generally like nikki cross i like crazy ass characters like that i'd love to see her work with rosemary from yeah from impact that would yeah. be crazy you know, but uh, it, it's it, it, it is what it is for a, for a, a women's match on NXT with, with Baszler as the champ. You're not going to get the type of matches no. you used to get when you had the whole crop of no, women of that are not. up on the main roster. You're not going to get that type of match. You're going to get this type of, you know, uh, just kind of punishment match. And so having it, 
you know, again, Nikki Cross, she, she could have been like part of Raven's flock in WCW, yes. you know, <laughs> she she'd have been a perfect been. fit for that because, but because who would have been there? Raven would have been there to talk for her. Raven would have been there to direct her in the right direction. Right. Yeah. You know, because Raven was the one who manipulated all the people that had some kind of, um, you know, mental instability or mental problem that kept them from achieving it. That's what Nikki Cross is. Yeah. So, I, you know, they're, they're strongly hinting that they're bringing her up to the main roster either right before or right after Evolution. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen that rumor a few times. I'll, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but you're right. They need to hook her up with somebody mm-hmm. or push her neurosis in a different way that we can do something with her from a story standpoint. Yeah. I mean, she could totally be part of Sanity again. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason you can't hook that back up, so. They, they could make her Sister Abigail. I mean, that was the yes, rumor. Yes, that, well, that, that was originally the rumor. Somebody come up and be Sister Abigail, so why not, you know? Yeah. Just put her in a hood, and that's it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they also could make Jeff Hardy Sister Abigail, but hey, that could work. He was already Brother Nero. He had might not be Sister Abigail. He, so. He's just got to get, you know, just, just stop, you know, getting hurt and suspended, and he'll be good to go. Yeah, well, that's, that's getting the best his, part. Getting his earrings ripped out by Randy Orton. God. They finally decided, let's let Randy Orton just be the biggest asshole he can be. Yeah. And then and the crowd's eating it up. It's yeah. like, so I guess it's work. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Randy Orton. <laughs> anyway. So, all right. So, fourth match. Um, and it's weird that the, the the championship match is not on last, but um, with the last yeah, match. Reasons have become obvious yes. soon enough. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Lars Sullivan, a.k.a. Braun Strowman's former tag team partner, Imagine that fucking team. Oh, God. <laughs> Lars is a fucking monster. Dude, he is huge, and he's athletic and big. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about him. Versus... Oh, he's a, he is the definition of brick shithouse. As yeah, big as dude, Braun yeah, is, yeah. Lars is like, but I'm, Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, is that's who needs to come up. When, 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 when Braun Strowman finally wins the world title, because he's going to win yes. the world title, that's who needs to come out of the crowd and attack him. Because he's the only guy that's big enough to do it. Because who yeah. the hell is going to do it, you know? I mean, well, Big Show, Big Show's too old, Kane's too well, old. Yeah, you know. Big Show's basically retired at this point. But, yeah, but you know, too old. Nig- they can't do it. Yeah, but yeah. Nigel McGuinness puts over Lars Sullivan in one line when he's coming to the ring because he says that he harkens back to an era of carnivals and freak shows, yep. and he compares him to the French Angel, Yes, who was a legendary grappler from around the World War II era in the 1940s who also had acromelgy, and... And, and like physically, his body type and stuff looks a lot yes. like Lars Sullivan looks. But so Sullivan to me is this throwback. You know, I see Sullivan. You know what I think of? I think of the scene in Mighty Joe Young with all the wrestlers yeah. and strongmen. He's mm-hmm. he's a grappler from 60 years ago, right. but he's got today's skill set. Yeah, I mean, well, he's, the French he's Angels ugly. in that scene. Yes. You know, uh, is is he? No, I thought yes. uh, I thought I thought uh, uh, Primo Canero was in there, not the French Angel. So the French Angel is one of the guys uh, in the, okay, on the line. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've yeah, seen it more recently than I have. Yeah. But the you know, but just the, the, the look, he's he's I mean he's yeah, simple simple red trunks. Yeah, uh, red trunks and black boots. He's not a good looking man, you know. I don't think no, not by any that. stretch. And, and he, but, but he, he kinda looks like the, a shaved gorilla, be honest with you. Like, yes. like he has that brow, he has that yeah. like he's just a hulking man. He's got, so. the, but he's, he's got the big barrel chest and the big yeah. arms and legs, but he's not cut up. Yeah, but he's he not looks fat. like he's not no, fat. He's, fat. he's not an ounce of fat. He, no. looks, he looks like an old time professional wrestler. Yeah, he's definitely. It's like you could have hooked him up with the vaude villains, right? You know. Well, but I'm saying they, he's they're he's a little too old school, maybe. He's but. definitely the guy when when Strowman wins the title that that's the guy Strowman can feud with because he looks different than Strowman. 
but at no point do you doubt his strength to pick up and throw Braun around. Now, now yeah. I know I understand you don't want your giant off his feet, but Big John Studd and, and, and Andre the Giant, was when they actually touched each other, people went crazy for that. And think about that. That's about the same size comparison, right? Because Studd, as yeah. big as he was, was always smaller than Andre. Sullivan is smaller than Braun, but, you know, so. But the guy we're, we haven't mentioned yet. The guy we haven't mentioned yet is the world is, is the champion, and one of my I I love Aleister Black. I loved him when he was Tommy End when he wrestled in the UK in the UK tournament. They had a special match where he goes well, Tommy End, and I like blew up. I'm like, oh my god, Tommy End! I love him. He looks nothing like anything Vince McMahon would allow in his ring. Right? He's not cut up. He's kind of pudgy. He's got tattoos everywhere. He's got a Medusa on his back. Like his hair is weird. He like is all about like he does like he he, he drops into his, his poses. He's all kickboxer. He's everything that Vince doesn't want in his you know his champion superstars, the Hogan's <laughs> and the Warrior. He's the actual opposite of those guys. That's why I love him so much. He is. The, the evolution of where, remember when CM Punk became champion, when there was no way, Punk's never getting over, can't, and then Punk became champion, right? And they were like, well, what do we do with them? What do you mean, what do you do with them? Have amazing matches, right? Aleister Black, I think Triple H gets it. Now, it's not just Triple H, it's Matt Bloom and the other guys who are all working at NXT. They get it. I think they understand that, like, he doesn't look like Ricochet. He doesn't look like Adam Cole. He doesn't look like EC3. In fact, I don't, there's no one else who looks like Aleister Black. But if you think about the NXT roster, there's a lot of guys who, like Lars Sullivan, doesn't look like anybody else. Of course he doesn't, right? Yeah. Ricochet doesn't look like anybody else. They have individuals. There's no cookie cutters there. So, um, and I just, you know, uh, I think I think they did a good job of having Sullivan show what a monster he is. Uh, in the match, I think they did a good job of having him, even though the champion, you know, you don't want your champion to look weak. The champion looked outmatched strength wise, which was important. I think you want to you want to highlight that that uh, Lars Sullivan is much stronger than, um, you know, than than Aleister Black. Uh, I also think they did a good job. Um, you know, anytime he hit him with a clothesline, Black sells clotheslines really well. But it looked like he actually dislocated his head from his shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm being. Serious. He sent them flying a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, the th the thing with Sullivan is that you you expect a guy like him to have a kind of basic, you know, punch kick slam type yeah. of thing, but he's out there working with Black and he's going move for move with him, and and the thing is that they did they've both in the previous stuff and then in this match itself they set up this idea that you know that that. Black's offense is based around getting to the black mass, getting to that that kick that's going to yes. knock people out. Yeah. And Sullivan, not only can he he's, is he strong enough and fast enough to grab his foot in midair and stop yeah. it, but then he hits him with it and he knows and he doesn't know so, but he gets up. Yeah, and it's like that's that's one of those oh shit moments in professional <laughs> wrestling when literally every guy he's hit with the black mass has gone down like a sack of potatoes. Gone down like Virgil at Survivor Series 1988. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Virgil's out like a sack of potatoes. Thank you know, the that was uh, uh, a gorilla and uh, yeah, and body. Agree, yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Vadi, it looks like Virgil's been eliminated as well. But uh, but you know, but Sullivan <laughs> then he he throws the the diving headbutt. You know, he he just you know he just tosses him around with ease. And Black is not a big guy, but he's not a small guy. Yeah, you know, and it's so it's that classic matchup. It's the skill versus strength. And again, it harkens back to an older day of that type of match being commonplace, and in, in, uh, in the top of the card. And on a professional wrestling card. And it's very odd to me still for a WWE product, even now to have the, you know, the, the skill guy be the champion. That's always odd to me. Cause I always think of them from when I was young, that the strong guy was a champion. He fought Mont, the strong guy fighting a monster, not the skill guy fighting a monster or, or, or what have you. So I, I like this matchup a lot because I think they work really well together because they're both counters to each other. Right. Their styles co- are so complementary. And both the guys work their styles really well. No, I don't think so. Sul- I mean, I don't think Sullivan could do an hour long, you know, match with Black or something like that. But I don't want him to. No. That that doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. He's not going to go out there and get paid by the minute, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. again, this much much like I said, th- this match, I honestly believed a couple of times that Sullivan was going to win this. I thought that mm-hmm. it's yeah. like I, I mean, I legitimately believed that Sullivan could beat Black in this match, and when you've got a champion who's been, I mean, Black has been, how long has Black been a champion? He's been a champion for a little while at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that he, that they would take it off of him and put it on Sullivan, it's like, okay, I, I could see it happening the way that this match is being worked right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And that's always a good sign, I think, in a championship match yeah. if you legitimately believe, yeah, there's a chance that the champion's going to lose this. That for whatever reason, they've got something they can't necessarily counter. The, the big thing also, too, with Sullivan um, is that not only is he believable, I mean, what he's doing, everything he does, every every move he does is impactful. It has a purpose. Like, it, there's no wasted stuff. There is no, like, I'm picking up to knock you down. Like, he's, he's doing everything he can. Every move is designed to punish his opponent to get to the end when he's trying to win the match. And I think that also helps lend some credibility to it, too, because... Black is so desperate to try to, like, how am I going to knock him out? When he no-sells the, the – now, Nigel said it. He goes, I don't think he caught him with all of it, right? You know, I don't think he caught him with all of it, you know, kind of thing. But what happens is he gets up, and then Black is like, well, I'm going to keep coming at him. And he starts hitting with everything he's got. Because you can see at the end of the match, it like, what happens is it basically sells that by the end of the match, everything that – um that could possibly he could possibly hit Sullivan with is what it takes to win the match. Like it's not like he hit him at the end. You're like, oh man, like you feel like, wow, he survived. If Sullivan had, you know, whatever, and as it is, Sullivan's bleeding because the referee put the gloves on, right? Yeah. You know, and then Sullivan touched it. He's like, I'm bleeding. All right. He like he he sells it like not like oh crap. Like he's not selling it like some chicken shit heel because that's not what he is. He's a monster, you know, kind of thing. So the blood doesn't bother him, but he gets up and wham, he gets it again and again and again. And you're like, and you just see Black going for everything he can go for. He's he's emptying the arsenal, you know, because I yeah. think what they've done a good job of, even though he uses Fade the Black to win every time, uh, like that's that's like that's, they're establishing that that's a, like a one shot, you know, it's 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 a one shot killer, you know, kind of thing for him to win with. Um, what happens then is, is that. By having Sullivan 
you know, have him not hit it flush and Sullivan kicks and you know, gets up. You now establish like, okay, like he didn't catch him with it, but other guys, he didn't catch with it all the way either, but it still knocked them out. Like it's, yeah. It's well, not, he, well, he, yeah. the first one, the first one, I'm not sure how this was supposed to go because I'm not sure if that was a partial botch or what. Yeah. I think it was a botch because I think, I think the intention was for him to, 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 I think he was supposed to hit him a little bit more solidly right. and then Sullivan was going to get up because then Sullivan takes two black masses for the yes. fade to black, black mass. They call it black mass now yeah. in the, to, for the finish. And the first, and so he hits the, when he hits the first black mass solidly, Sullivan goes down and then go, doesn't pop right up, but he just immediately posts and stands right back up. Yeah. And that, that's just like, he's, I mean, even if the first one was a glancing blow, nobody has taken two of these. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it's like cheese and rice. Not only is this, not only is this putting the the end of this match and making this match more exciting. This makes this puts over Lars Sullivan so much mm-hmm. as this guy, this freak that can take all this punishment and keep coming. I mean, who's going to feud with him after this? Yeah. You know, who's going to have a chance to beat this guy that that you know literally had to get put down basically by Alistair Black yeah. with this move that's knocked everybody else stupid. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, again, the match was outstanding. It's, it's a match that could very easily have been boring, right? You know, if you think about just big guy versus skill guy, it could have been one of those matches where you're like, oh, oh, like there's enough. And, and again, it wasn't all just false finishes either. Like it wasn't just false finish, false finish. Like you're like, oh, they're going into the falsies now, you know, kind of thing, which happens sometimes. Um, it just was, I don't know. I mean, the, considering the size difference and everything else and, you know, and, and, the, the idea that, and, and I know that, I mean, the, the crowd was, I mean, the crowd loves loves Lars Sullivan, but they were behind Aleister Black. Man, when he hit him with the second black mask, they all just pop. There's nobody, <laughs> nobody's there going, oh, he's going to win. Like, man, they're like, yeah, oh, but it caught you. And I think that's certainly the thing, too, is, you, you, you know, well, I mean, we've been to ECW shows that were never shown on TV or anything, and they are red hot. Those, you know, you're there and you're like, you know, screaming and yelling and you walk out with, you know, you can't hear, you can't, you tell talk and everything because you had a great time, right? The crowd was really hot for a lot of the stuff in here. Um, and except during the Shayna Baszler match where there was, there, I think there was a fight in the crowd because all of a sudden everyone yeah. turned and, you know, some bullshit was happening. They were into every single thing that was happening in that ring. There was no people, let's, I mean, people are on their phones taking pictures, doing whatever, but there was no, what do you call there was no like, well, you know, I'm gonna go to the web. Get no one got out of their seats to go leave. They were out of their seats screaming and yelling. So, just an outstanding match. Uh, you know, again, completely different than the first three matches too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I think I think keeping it at five matches allows them to you know make things different. Um, and they'll and it's not that NXT is perfect. Please, folks, don't feel that I feel that I mean they are the best wrestling company going right now. Um, at least in my opinion, you know, for what they put out. Um, but the problem becomes at five, uh, when you go over five matches, seven, eight, nine matches, like WWE constantly does with their pay-per-views, you got a lot of stale things. Mm-hmm. There's no chance to be stale in five matches. I mean, I'm not saying they're perfect because there's sometimes that they have stuff that doesn't hit, but it's hard to be stale when there's only five matches. So, but, um, and of course that leads us to the final match. Uh, oh, and, boy. And, I tell you know what, um, 
I, and I don't know how much Tomasa Champa you've ever seen, Chris, before NXT. I don't know if you've seen None. before. Okay. Luke, I, you saw him in ROH? Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I saw him in ROH. Um, I, I never saw a ton of Johnny Gargano. I, I, I knew who Johnny Gargano was. I had seen some of his stuff from um, the U.S. version of Dragon's Gate. I've seen some of his stuff from CZW. Um, I've seen, or, or not, no, excuse me, not CZW, Evolve. I said CZW before. That's wrong. It's Evolve. Um, cause that's Gabe Sapolsky. Um, CZW is where Dean Ambrose came from. Uh, so I'd seen this stuff there, but when you watch Johnny wrestling, Johnny Gargano, he is not a big dude, no. right? He's tiny. Tomasa Champa. Uh, let's be honest here. I, does he have an ounce of fat in his entire body? No. Like no. he's painful to look at sometimes. You're like, Dude, eat a hamburger, man. Like, just, yeah. you know. But I think the best part of Tomasa Champa, he has no music. Yeah. It yeah. just says Champa on the screen. And what's his music? The raining booze on him. The, it, and the main roster wishes they could get somebody that much of a heel. He is the biggest heel. He's a bigger heel than Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler is a giant heel. But he is, I, who's a bigger heel than him in, in, in any wrestling at all right now? I can't think of one. Can you, Luke? No. No. Right? No. I mean, I right mean a, right, a, a true heel that doesn't get cheered. Yeah. You know, there's I mean, not no many. No one's cheering him. No right. one, I mean, yeah. I mean there, there's always somebody who's being an asshole. Right? But no <laughs> one's cheering Well, his, but you know what? Hey, Universal Rules Professional Wrestling, right. you can cheer for whoever the hell you want. Yes. You know? <laughs> what I'm saying is, but when he comes out, there's just booze. His music is the rain of booze coming down on him. And you're like, are you kidding? They have made him into this despicable, disgusting heel. And despicable, disgusting, despicable. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. Billy, what's his name? Billy, what's his name? Can you even pay me to wrestle Ron? I don't know. Anyway, sorry, Lex. It's okay. It's in the outro. Anyway, so um, the problem because he is he has got more heel heat. He is the heel, and you're like, man, there are guys who work their entire lives to get that kind of heat, and I don't mean heat like like um, Masamata. Uh, no, um, um, was uh, Masamata Hassan member? Muhammad Hassan. Yeah. Masamad, yeah. That's what. I, well, that's almost what I said. Right, the, the guy Davari worked with. Yes, How about that? The, the guy Davari worked with, right? I mean, <laughs> or Sergeant Slaughter when he turned his back on America, like that's okay. That's different kind of heat. I mean, it's not cheap heat like McFoley gets, but you know, it's like that's that's heat because you're you're turning your on your country. Like to get the kind of heat that that Champa has, Champa has. It's so insane. And of course, Johnny Gargano. Can anyone be more over than him? They, no. God, they love him. They, they love Johnny White knees. They absolutely do. Yes. So, the match is a Chicago street fight um, that is literally tears the fucking house apart. Got to think. Yep. What one thing I do have to say, I yeah. love Chomp. Uh, I love Gargano. Wearing street street clothes to the street yes. fight. I'm a big sucker for that. Yes. Champa kind of does, but not really. Yeah, you know. But they're not wearing their regular wrestling gear, so I'm always a fan of a street fight. You wear street clothes, just uh, like a bunkhouse. Now Gargano's got the Captain America outfit on at first. Yeah, 
but he's got said, jeans on though. He's got yeah, Gargano's got jeans on. He doesn't wrestle in jeans normally. He's got so. jeans with his knee pads over it and his boots on, and he's got the Captain America shirt on. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. The whole thing is, like, Luke's right. Like, guys who come to a street fight in their tights and stuff, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? So It's like, this, is, this isn't this is an extreme match. It's a street fight. It's like, yeah. oh, I see. Yeah. Subtle. Subtle and <laughs> it was, I mean, it was brutal. Um, I loved when when he goes under the ring. Champa starts cutting the ring apron. Yeah, I didn't know where the hell that was going. Oh, yeah. as soon as he cut it, I'm like, oh, they're going to expose the ring. He's going to expose the the the. Wood. Now, now let me ask: When was the last time that was the last time that happened on a WWE program when the Nexus debuted? Yes. yes. So how many years was that? Like that was not what seven eight years ago, wasn't oh, it? Nice. Because I want to say that was in. I thought that was in. Um, uh. Uh, 2011 around then was the Nexus. So, I mean, but geez, I mean, and that, and what's funny is I remember at the time, I don't remember if it was Stu Bennett or if it was uh, one of the other guys that they were talking. I think it might've been Bennett, uh, formerly Wade Barrett, now uh, promoter and on-screen authority for the new world of sport. (laughs) Who, who liked my retweet the other day about world of sport. So go awesome. Shout out to Stu Bennett, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, but he talked about that, you know, when you're working in the wrestling business a- as a young guy, you one of your jobs typically is to tear down and set up the ring. So you from a young from from the early days in you're in the business, you know what the <laughs> ring looks like broken down. And so it's not is it for So he was saying this for the guys that are working. That's nothing uncommon. He said, but for the audience, when you deconstruct that ring. You're deconstructing part of the world, part of the construct that is professional wrestling in our mind as we understand it. And as we understand professional wrestling, there's a ring with three ropes and a canvas and two guys fighting it. And the ring is a constant. And now you're deconstructing that ring and you're, you're, you're breaking down part of the general uh, uh, construction of a wrestling match. And so that always gets the audience's attention, which is why you can't do it too often. Right, 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 right. But when right. they do it here, it's a perfect opportunity to use it because these two guys just hate each other's guts and are just beating the living holy hell out of each other from one end of this arena to the other. Right. So it makes perfect sense for Ciampa to go that way and and to expose it. And you know once it's there, it's got to play into the finish. And now you also understand, okay, this is why this match has to come on before – or excuse me, after Last, Black yeah. and yeah. Sullivan, because you can't have them. I can only think of one time where they destroyed the ring and then had another match, yeah. and that was uh, what was it, Big Show and, right. uh, and Brock Lesnar, was it Brock and Big Show. They destroyed the ring and then they had it was the False Count Anywhere match that came after it. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, when he cuts the ring and he starts pulling it back, you're like, oh man. And I'm thinking to myself, going, they're not going to use this. This is a tease. They're not going to use this. It's a tease. And I'm like, okay, so it's like, uh, it's like, what do you call it? It's like uh, a Chekhov's gun, right? You know, kind yeah. of thing. Like, you, yeah. you, you know, you show everybody, or, or it's, it's actually the old, um, it's the old thing from the birds. You show everyone the bomb under the table, then you talk about something else. They show yeah. you the ring getting pulled apart, and you're like, all right, what's going to happen here? And then, but that's pretty early on compared to when they use it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's a while before they get to the point where you're going to use it. And I'm like, Okay, like, and, you know, some of the stuff that happens in there, I mean, it's just, you know, 
just oh yeah it's hurts. it's all just it's all gimmicks the whole match but it's yeah. you're so fucking invested by this yeah. point because yeah. they've been building it up so well yeah. on on the weekly show yeah i mean and the thing is the whole idea with with gargano too and 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 champa is that i mean obviously you know they they were a tag team they they were in each other there was no wedding and they're friends and all, the whole nine right the 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 problem becoming that uh, when we know all this stuff, and we know that you know they, they built it or built it and built it, that at some point, like this all has to come to a head. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so we're here. This is happening. So the insanity of the match doesn't seem that crazy because it has to come to a head. You know, like it had to come yeah. to a point where we're at a head. You know, it had to happen. Um, the when when they strapped uh, Champa to the to the stretcher. I was literally surprised he didn't dive off the top of the thing yeah. onto them. And I'm like, he's going to dive on him. I'm like, what are they doing? I'm like, oh, they're not doing that? Okay. I, I will yeah. say this. When he does the air raid crash off of the top of the production stuff yes. through the table, yeah. I uh, yeah. love the whole setup for that because you got the four dudes sitting there with the Bullet Club shirts. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, fair, fair play to them. You can wear whatever you want. Also, I doubt they thought they were going to be on TV. Yes. Yeah. But sure enough, just sitting there, right there. <laughs> Except for that one guy who had the uh, "Use my sign, please" sign. With oh, the stop such sign a classic out. ECW yeah, callback yeah, yeah, with yeah. the "Use my sign." Yeah, of course. Tommy used my sign, which is one of the greatest moments in ECW hardcore television history. The, the problem was that Tommy used my sign was not a plant. That was a no. real guy. <laughs> that was the problem with ECW. I mean, I, I know Chris, you didn't attend ECW. Um, but at some point they started like taking things away from people and oh, we would be Jesus. going, we would be going into there and they'd pat everyone down. That's why we would make Kelly carry. Kelly would never bring her purse. Nothing. Kelly would just go. And cause they would, I mean, they would just grope the crap out of the women kind of thing. Right. So we yeah. go, she has nothing. Or she, Kelly would have her pockets turned out and have, I have nothing. So they wouldn't pat her down, but they would pat us down and empty your pockets out. Right. And they took away, I mean, remember Luke? I mean, remember the piles yeah. of stuff? People knives and knives. brass knocks. Yeah. I mean, hammers, all like sorts of shit. Yeah, hammers. Shit. Yeah. I mean, and, and they talk about this, that, you know, there was a, that we never went to a show at the ECW arena, but there was sure. a dollar tree, like across the street. Oh, yeah. Christ. And so they'd go and buy every possible thing, <laughs> more cookie sheets and cheese yeah. graters and yeah. screwdrivers. Well, we, we, we were there and they had piles of stuff and you had guys who had like just trying to carry in garbage pails full of stuff. Jesus. And they're like, put that shit down. They're like, no, dude, it's ECW. Like, you're not bringing that inside. No. I mean, it's bad enough that the guy who was smoking pot and the Marine turned around and beat the fuck out of him. Oh, and everyone God, yes. cheered that as was... they carried the bloody guy out, you know, which was cool. Um, but That's like, the way it rolled back then, yeah, you know. It, dude, it was nothing, man. The match stopped. That was the best. The match yeah. stopped, and they watched this guy get his ass handed to him. He was, he was smoking pot in the middle of the fucking Poughkeepsie. Mm. Uh, he just started lighting it up in his smoke. Yeah. So the guy's like, she goes, what are you doing? He goes, dude, stop. What the fuck's your problem? And he goes, fuck you. You can see him like, fuck you. Bam. And it was over. You know, just him, it just was fist hitting face. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, but this match definitely yeah. had. See, that's the thing. The, the ECW, you know, we, we and, and uh, Paul Heyman has talked about this, that air quotes up to the mic, hardcore wrestling did not mean then what it means now. Right. Hardcore wrestling meant, you know, legit in the ring stuff. And it came yeah. to it came to mean the ultraviolent ECW right, style. Right. But the best ECW matches of the ultraviolent style still had good psychology. And this sure. match has good psychology. It's not just 
you know, spot fest, spot fest, spot fest. You know, Chris, you hit it on the head. It's gimmicks and stuff like that the whole time. But the psychology of the weapons and stuff being set up and then not used immediately and coming back to it. Yeah. That is real. That really sells it because now it's, you've established not only one, you got two guys that are willing to do anything to hurt the other guy. Now you've put them in basically the killing zone. Okay. Everything around them is now dangerous. There's no safe space. You know, yeah. there's no coloring books and stuffed animals and puppies that you can get to here. It's it, everything. You're 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 triggered beyond all belief if uh, in 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 this killing zone that you are now fighting in, and right. no no place is safe. Yeah, and you know the thing too is is as well. Uh, I mean, the the idea of teasing certain things, the the callbacks where they belong. Um, you know, as Johnny's coming out, uh, Candice Lurie, who's his wife, hands him the you know, the piece of the piece of the crutch. You know, excuse me, to come out, you know, to the ring with. I mean, all the different things. You know, oh, excuse me. Gosh, sorry, guys. Got the hiccups there. That's how excited I got. Uh, you know, kind of thing. All those things that happened during the match make perfect sense. And they all work to the end. And then when he wheels them down the ramp and he's like taking out. Champa's only got his legs hooked. I was like, they should have hooked, yeah. hooked his arms. Right? It would have been funny if they hooked his arms. Because Johnny's just beating the crap out of him and whatever. To go in there and to like, and then like he's got the handcuffs on. So first thing Haley says to me is, "Those handcuffs are very long." I said they are mm-hmm. very long, Haley. Yeah. I said he's got to be able to tap out, honey. I said it's for his safety. Oh, okay. <laughs> she totally buy that. And the tad, the constant him tapping out, tapping out, tapping out. You're like, this match is over. This match has been over, right? And you're like, okay, well, what's gonna? How are they gonna? How are they gonna end this thing? This match should have been over. It should be over. And of course, what happens? He never gets out of the handcuffs, and he yeah. fucking DDTs him with them on. That was awesome. Oh my god! And the crowd—I loved how stunned the crowd was. Oh yeah. Just like oh, needle on the record. <laughs> oh, what a! Great... It was almost—it was almost Undertaker losing at WrestleMania level. Yeah, well, that well, that was crazy too. I mean, yeah. so like... we've all seen the meme. Yes, I mean. yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. But before there was a meme, there was a guy. No, okay. Um, <laughs> before there was a meme, there was a man. And but the idea, though, is that if you think about the Zack Ryder story. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, you, the 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 idea that he's got these handcuffs on. The referee finally get him apart. The referee's finally there. Johnny's gonna go do whatever. He pulls him over there, and out of nowhere, because this match is over. We've seen him tap out like three times. This match is over. They was it was they told him it was over. We're gonna put him on a gurney. We're taking him out. The match is over, Johnny. It's over. It's oh, it kept saying it's over. The bell never rang, so it's not over. So what happens? The spike, boom, one, two, three, and nobody is in that place yeah. going like the stun silence is outstanding. Yeah, there's point. not even there's not even the smart mark pointing. Yo, Champa deserves it. Yeah, good work, good work by yeah. Champa tonight. Because <laughs> no one expected the match to end that way. I guess. Right. No. <laughs> like that caught everyone. Like what? You know, <laughs> so. you know there, there's some guy had to go to the bathroom. What did I miss? You know. <laughs> the, the, the best guy in the stands in the whole match though was once they first go outside of the ring. You're the devil! You're the devil! You just hear him <laughs> scream at yeah. chop. I'm like, man, that's that's heel heat. <laughs> when you're getting uh, called the devil, I'm trying. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of another guy 
I mean, there's no one else right now in wrestling that has that kind no. of heat. Now, in the past, there were guys who had that kind of heat. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, they used to have the security. I mean, people would take, would you know, try to stab the heels or shoot. The, like, that was crazy stuff back then. But in today's world of we know it's we know how everything's done, that kind of heat's hard to get. Yeah. Hard to get, you know, so. But Chompa's well, got, got it. it. Chompa's <laughs> got it. I mean, he's got it, and he's still got it. Um, and and uh, for those of you who are, uh, you know, when you're listening to this, obviously, um, you know, we, this, we, sp- we spent some time, you know, kind of waiting and then reflecting on it before we reviewed this stuff. Um, you have to go watch the the uh, the – the NXT that occurred, uh, well, it would be the air date would be back. Um, i trying to remember. It was, so it's Wednesday. It's the first. It would have been the 25th. Go back and watch the, the NXT from the 25th. Um, and if, if, if you thought this match had some heel heat, uh, <laughs> go back and watch the match from, the, from, uh, from July 25th. The main event is Aleister Black versus Ciampa for the title. Uh just, just I NXT is hitting so more. They hit so often when they miss. You're like, oh crap, they missed, right? But they miss so infrequently. Even the women's match, which we we kind of you know none of us like love, it's not that big a miss. You know what I'm saying? It's not like oh my god, that's atrocious. It just wasn't as good as the other matches for the women's stuff used to be. It's they don't miss often, and I you know. I mean, it, and, and I know Luke has said to me, well, you know, it's all taped so they can edit things. I get it. I get it. But they get an hour. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like how I, I was. we were talking about Impact Wrestling. I love Impact Wrestling. Impact has wrestling the whole time. There's no stupid crap. And if they have a weird gimmick, it's one thing. But, like, and it's like, well, it's taped. Yeah, I get it. It's taped. But, like, at least they, you know, focus on the wrestling instead of it just being like, oh, Let's have, you know, 20 minutes of talking to start the show, you know, kind of thing. So but. it's one thing to have 20 minutes of talking to start the show when you've got three hours. Yeah. Like 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 when 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 on Nitro, when they used to yes. do that, you could do a 15 minute talk segment to open the top hour because you had an hour to, to work with. Right. And the audience knew, one, you were setting up the story for the evening. And two, as soon as you came back from a commercial break, there was going to be some multiple of luchadors in that ring. There's going to be 12 (laughs) luchadors in that ring doing insane crap. So you you had them. But in an hour show, no, you can't do that. You have to to get to the meat and potatoes because that's what people are here to see. Yeah. And I I think they have figured that out well. Um, You know, obviously, the idea behind NXT was to create their own ROH, which is kind of what they've done. Um, you know, it's not the same as exactly the same as ROH, but they wanted to create their own independent wrestling promotion that does the cool stuff that ever that the that not it's not for every fan. And I get that, too. And that's that's one of the things that you hear, too. People are like, well, but this isn't wrestling for everybody. It's true. NXT is not for everyone. It's not. You have to like wrestling to like NXT. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make like, I'm not I mean. Wrestling now. That's a legit statement, you know. Yeah. It's not w- a general audience right. property. Yeah. If you go to SmackDown, it's like going to Barnum and Bailey's, you know, at the circus. Yeah. Right? If you're going to Raw, it's yeah. like going to Ice Capades. Like, it's what it is. It's like, <laughs> it's an entertainment thing. Oh, it's coming to town. Let's get tickets and let's go. Okay. It's not like, oh my God. Okay. Next year, we got to make sure we're at NXT. And then we got to make sure we can get from the NXT show to the ROH show to this show. Like, 
those are people who like wrestling. And, and, and I know people like, I like wrestling. I'm like, okay, I'm not saying you don't like wrestling, but are you watching for the wrestling or are you watching for the, the, you know, the, the dog and pony show? There ain't no dog and pony show here. You know, there ain't no, what do you call it? That's the problem. There are no dog and pony show. There ain't no flags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is, there is just. There wrestling. ain't no fucking Thelma here, man. I was up on the moon. Oh man. So anyway, um, well, so, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, NXT, by the nature of how it's broadcast, how it's produced, how it is booked, is not a show for casual viewers. It's right. a show for the more hardcore viewers, which is why when they bring the NXT people up onto the main roster, you know, you always get a huge response from a portion of the crowd. Right. right. But there's always a portion of the crowd that doesn't know who they are, yeah. and they're excited that's a new person. Yep. And that, okay, they're, and, and we know now that when they do a draft and they say from NXT that this person's most more unlikely going to get a big push. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. More yeah. than likely. Not yeah. always, but, but usually. Yeah, I mean, um, Ty Dillinger didn't, but okay. Yeah. And so. No Way Jose, you know, but uh, I love No Way Jose. Yeah. I, I wish, I almost wish that uh, Carlito was still around so he could yes. feud with No Way Jose. <laughs> Over the, for the hair. Yeah, it would just be the, the hair. They'd have to have a Lucha de Apuestas hair versus hair match at the end right, of it. Right, right, like, right. Like, you cut my hair. That's not cool. You know, but. Yeah, speaking of Carlito, what the hell happened to him? Because he was on the uh, yeah. couple episodes of Glow this season. And, like, is he on roids? Because he's huge now. It could be. I have not seen I watched him season two of Glow. He, that, that was him? That was him at the end, wasn't it? No. Last episode of the season? No, no, wasn't no Carlito? The, one, the one with where, where Chavo's on there. Yeah, I don't think that is Carlito. I think that is the, the that's one of the that's one of the brothers. I don't think that's him, but that's that's another issue for another day. We can figure right. that out. Um, but the thing was, I mean, Carlito, you know, again, for those of people who don't remember Carlito, um, you nope. know, he was big Kurt Jackson in Glow. Yeah, it was it was was that him? Okay, it might have been him. Yeah, okay, I guess it was. I mean. Yeah, no, I just didn't. Re- I didn't realize it was him. I know he was on there. I just didn't know if he was. If he was. He's was apparently, him. unsurprisingly, still been working in Puerto Rico. Yes, <laughs> shockingly, still yeah. working in Puerto Rico. That's shocking. Shocking. So, um, yeah, well, he the played, shocking you know, lack of sodium taught in the schools today is shocking. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he here's a guy who, I mean, he had you know, the connection, everything else. I mean, he got a major push. But again, at some point, someone said to him, "You got to tighten up." And he's like, ah, "No way, man! That's what I look like." Like, because he was, you know, he didn't want to get all cut up and stuff. And that's one of the things that I, I just don't get. Uh, I know that they want everyone to look amazing on TV and be as thin as possible, and stuff. But we get like a lot of, I feel like cookie cutter. You know, like it every is. guy's, it's it, it is. yeah. Because every guy's got to have like, you know, a, a six pack, and everyone's got to have like whatever, and all the girls have to. I mean, even though I know the girls look different. Yes, Charlotte Flair looks different than, uh, you know, Bailey and whatever. But they, when you watch them in NXT, when they're able to move better and do what they got to do, then they have them drop all that. Like they, they thin out, and you're like, oh man, it just. It. I don't think it. I don't think that having the exact same thing over and over and over again is what you need to have. But by the same token, I'm also talking about wrestling on an entertainment show. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's where you made your mistake. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So he calls I, me I, up. He says, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm just saying it just it just seems like such a it's just it's just frustration when you see guys who you know like you know they, they you know they can go but they don't give them an opportunity or, or you know they get whatever and then they don't you know they, they like well they got to thin out they got to this got to that and I'm like how about having different bodies like Samoa Joe is super over right I mean he's wrestling AJ Styles coming up at SummerSlam or whatever right Samoa Joe doesn't look like anyone else in the roster. Right. And he's a legit badass and he'll fucking kill you. Right. <laughs> so for people, I mean, no one's, he's like, got that going on, yeah. but you know, I mean, that's good. why, but that's why he didn't come over when CM Punk signed. They said, well, you're going to have to drop some of that weight. Cause you're, you can't go on TV looking like a fat slob. And that's what he was told. He had to lose weight. And he's like, we thought this is what I look like. And then there was like, then they, then they were like, well, we'll make him into, they were going to make him into Umaga. He's like, that's not what I do, man. Like, I'm a ra- I can actually wrestle. And they're like, yeah, no. So yes. he's like, I'll go to TNA, and he went to become NWA Heavyweight Champion and whatever else. And I think, you know, things took a certain path. So I don't think Samoa Joe would still be there right now if you had, you know, him doing all that stuff back then. And it was important that Punk went there and did what he had to do. Unfortunately, we don't have Punk wrestling currently right now. But as we know, you never say never. Never say never. I will guarantee you, if he comes out at number thirty in the Royal and the and the Royal Rumble, you will hear a Road Warrior pop again. You yeah. know, because who else could have come out at thirty that would get a bigger pop as <sighs> you know CM Punk? You just hear. I mean, I know Luke. You're going to say Big Show dressed. Big as Show CM dressed Punk. as CM Punk. We'll get the <laughs> <laughs> because you because you and I both know. We all know that. Big Show comes out, he would do the whole bit. He would do the tap in the wrist and the punch in the ground and all of it. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, we, we fooled those. those That's the real CM Punk. Oh, we, fooled, we fooled all those people. Look that how vast the money to see our, see our <laughs> program. So, anyway, folks. We're just, we're just, whatever here. So, yeah. um, in the in the words of Aiden English, we we pulled a fast one on all those uh, kind people who were watching right along. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what did what did you guys think of the show too? You know, like, hey, we would love to hear from you. Um, like we said, we watched it, and then like our my reaction was as soon as it finished, like we need to talk about this, right? And like I said, like that we all happen to watch at the same time. It's such a rare occasion that that happens, um, that we all get to see it live at the exact same time. Um, and then to let it, we kind of let it digest and rewatch it, you know, kind of thing. You know, did you see it live? And you're like, oh, man, I want to watch it again. Watch it again. And you're like, oh, man, it still holds up. Or maybe you think, maybe you're like, hey, that woman's match was the best match of the night. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you can have your opinion, you don't have to be right. You can have an opinion. Um, but I'm saying is, let us know, you know, hey, you know, if, did, what's your feedback on this? What's going on here? Did you, you know, is this, was this your first NXT takeover you ever saw? Maybe, you, maybe you've been, a, you know, you've been, maybe you saw this. And that hooked you, and now you start watching. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. You know, um, because again, like we we got like you know you heard the opening of the show. We take you know the emails, and we're, we we love hearing from you guys. We love the feedback, and of course, it gets us going on uh, you know all different topics all over the place. Because no one else can take three lines and turn it into an hour quicker nope. than us. <laughs> so. Um, that's my job's easy, folks. I just I pull the string on them Jack and Eddie boys and they just go. <laughs> oh, so all right, folks. So uh, anything else, guys, before we wrap this up today or this evening? Uh, Hero, you have anything? Um, no, 
surprisingly. <laughs> no, um, no, I don't, I, this, this was, um, like I said, I don't, I don't watch NXT regularly. I just don't have the opportunity to do it, but this was a, a really solid show from top to bottom. Really enjoyed it. So if you get an opportunity, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And check out 205 Live if you have the network. Those Cruiserweight guys are fucking gold. And, uh, Drew, and, and, and follow Drew Gulak because he's here to make a, a better 205 Live. Yes. Indeed Drew Gulak, another Evolve guy. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> And and of course I had my shirt on at uh, when we were away, Luke. Right? I did not wear that when it says, um, "As I'm with Spud," right? Or, yes. You know, and Spud, of course, is the commissioner of 205 Live now. So Drake anyway, Maverick. Drake Maverick. So. All right, folks. Made up name. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get out of here. So. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much for the download. Um, I want we want to thank obviously everyone. Um, who's part of the Get Back to the Wrestling family, all the uh, N1C Mafia out there, um, you know, all of our uh, our friends uh, and supporters, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Go Fight Pow and those guys over there, um, everyone who's supporting us. And until next time, guys, we'll see you at the matches. Are you going to take care of Ron Killens? What kind of disgusting, despicable lack of respect does that Billy What's-His-Name show Booking a match for the total package Lex Luger and Super Brawl? Super Saturday? What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Super Brawl Saturday. Super Brawl Saturday? Can he afford to pay me to wrestle run? I don't know. I'm one of the biggest legends stars ever in this. God. And your t-shirts are too tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me against Ryan Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward. Will you stop?